0: Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, normal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel, most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach.
1: And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are going back to the real world, the normal world, I guess is a good way to put it. We are done with sketch comedy. The whole fort month is complete finally uh, with our, our real commercials thrown in there. I love the way that that ended up. I do want to say that uh, before I watched the uh, the movie we're discussing today, I did go back and watch a little bit of Mr. Show with Bob and David, some of the episodes we didn't discuss to, to kind of ease me out of it. I'm a little sad we're not talking about sketch comedy anymore. I know Zach is ecstatic about it. And since I had control over the last two months, Zach got to pick this next series And of course, Monstober, when that comes around in in Monstober. So I'm gonna throw it over to him. What are we doing this month, Zach? On Cinemodities, the uh, the cinematic oddities that we'll be discussing. Folks,
0: the Fort Month is over. May we never (laughs) speak of the Fort Month ever again.
1: Okay, okay. It's 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 going in the archives. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's going in the vault.
0: That one's going in the vault and it's gone. Then we're going to take oh, the cool. vault. We're going to throw it into
1: the deepest part of the oceans possible. What about the deepest and least understood part of the cinematities restaurant? We bury it somewhere in there. <laughs> Six to one half dozen. The other It's just perfect. It's, it's, imagine the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're
0: putting it in a crate. It's never going to be seen <laughs> from again. If anybody ever wants to listen to it, it's a like, good luck finding
1: it. Yes, it's okay. I, I like that. It's somewhere hidden deep within Warehouse 13. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. Uh, after the sketch comedy Fort
0: Month, Rob's never allowed to choose another series again. And maybe <laughs> may, he might never be allowed to pick another topic ever again. We're not sure the severity of the damage that the Fort Month caused us.
1: Uh, I'm okay he, with that. I think I said <laughs> that at the end of the Fort Month. I'm okay with that. Because I I didn't have no problem Zach throwing me stuff. Um I guess I should say that I didn't really expect. This to come at us, this new series. uh, When I did the sketch comedy, I thought you were going to go somewhere else with it. But um, I I can't say I'm against this series, so that's a good thing. Good, good. See, folks, he's accepting
0: it. He realizes
1: the pain he's caused, both both you and the audience. (laughs) Uh. I I think I'm fully demoted. Zach and I used to be co-hosts. Now we have Zach as the host and Rob as the assistant host. I got yes. demoted. <laughs> yes.
0: Essentially, he's like kind of like the producer that you hear chiming every once in a while. Yeah.
1: Zach's like, if we didn't need Rob to handle some of that spreadsheet nonsense, he'd be gone <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> he's
0: executive secretary. That's what he is.
1: Perfect. Administrative assistant. There we go. Bingo. Um, all right.
0: But this week, we are ta- – actually, the entire series is The Terminator. Bump 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 I'm doing a John Williams. Bum-bum-bum-bum-bum. Bum-bum-bum-bum-bum.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. We get no, Jimmy no, no. C back in our lives? I like yeah.
0: that. This yeah. is the, I think this is the first time we've ever discussed a Jimmy C film.
1: Oh, that, right? that's right. Uh, yeah, I think we discussed him in his uh, producer role for Alita. But, yeah, you, you're probably right. Um Because we didn't do True Lies. We just mentioned that. So,
0: Oh, yeah. look at that. I didn't
1: even think about that. Right on. Yeah, I think,
0: I think he even – because he showed up also in the t- Titanic Thinking the this discussion a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're finally delving into – this is for you, Jimmy. See, we're going to have to tweet this out to your daughter and hope she sees it.
1: <laughs> yes, perfect.
0: <laughs> but no, Terminator, we're doing this series because come November – Terminator Dark Fate is coming out yes. I would have loved to have had this kind of like Tie in where we do bing bang boom Every film in the series and the series Concludes with us seeing the film in theaters Except that like I said it comes Out I think the first Friday of November which mean that if we did Follow that template it would conflict With Mont Stober And that's and sacred ground <laughs> It is nothing conflicts with Mont Stober And so that's basically the layout We're going to do the first week of September Is Terminator, second week is Terminator 2 Judgment Day with T2 3D The third week is Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines The fourth week is a double feature Of Terminator Salvation and Terminator Genesis, but then we Delve into Stober a
1: week Early with goosebumps i'm excited (laughs) the true truly the last thing zach will let me choose (laughs) yes
0: that's the last thing and in the infamous words of myself we're gonna do it but i'm not gonna like it perfect
1: should be a good month should be a good month like i said i'm not against the uh the terminator movies i think we'll talk a little bit more about um our history with them as we go through this whole series um but it should be good good old jimmy c good old arnold schwarzenegger um, I have, uh, I guess I, I do want to say before we, we jump into it any further, um, just like the time travel and the alternate realities of the Terminator series, I have director's cuts of all five films that exist, <laughs> which apparently only only two of them truly exist. Um, I think they are technically mislabeled, but like literally everything I found says director's cut. And as Zach informed me, there are not director's cuts of some of them, like the first one that we're going to be discussing today, right? Yes, Rob found director's cuts for movies that don't have them, which I find
0: absolutely fascinating. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, so for, for this one, The Terminator, um, I, I, I definitely looked into it. You know, I think it's it's the exact same as the, the non-director's cut. For whatever reason, when I got it, somebody labeled it with DC, which to me means director's cut. Maybe somebody thought The Terminator was in the DC universe, and that's why they put it. I don't know. Um, but it's the same length of time and everything. The only thing I can think of is that somebody labeled this copy of The Terminator, the original one, as director's cut because the mixing of the audio is so fucked up. Like I got a really good like video quality copy, but man, like action scenes, I had to crank the volume down to the 30s. And then every time people were talking, I had to crank it all the way up to the 90s. But I think I heard everything. It wasn't as bad as, like, Meet Joe Black or anything like that. So uh, we'll we'll get into the director's cuts aspect, like I said, as I'm sure we discuss it more. <laughs> Fascinating.
0: But, you know what, folks? I, before we start discussing Terminator, I'm going to pull a chapter out of the Rob book. And I'm going to ask him an existential question that will kind of be—I think it'd be relevant or pertinent to this whole conversation about Terminator, considering that time travel is such a crux to this entire series. Yes, so, Rob, would you rather be able to go into the future to change something or go into the past to change something? Mm. And you don't have to answer now. You don't have to answer now. But this is a question maybe we'll have you answer by the end of the series for oh, weeks I from now. It. But this is the question to both you and the audience. Would you rather be able to go into the future or go into the past to change something? Good question. Good question. Absolutely. That is, right. this is yeah. Good. And this is brought to you by a Microsoft Rewards poll from August 18th of last year that (laughs) I found absolutely fascinating and deliberately have kept this under my hat for almost a year to the date. Because I figured at some point we would be discussing Terminator and it would be very pertinent.
1: Ah, So I love that question. I love when we have our existential questions. Um, This is a good existential question. I think one of the last ones I asked was way back in Akira, and I was like, what do you think of the first time you wake up in the morning? Um, So, okay, I think right now, I won't go into too much detail, but right now my answer would be to go into the past. But like you said, maybe there's something, when we get through these Terminator movies and talk about it more, that's a good thesis. I dig it.
0: See, folks, I'm able to do the same sort of nonsense he does. I just have to sit there playing it a year in advance. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Love it, love it. All right. So where should we, we go next? I know Zach has some stories about his history in Terminator that he might want to save. But is there any context you want to give before we uh, jump into the movie?
0: Uh, I, I think I'm going to – as everybody knows, I have my legendary context stories. And, folks, this is might be one of the longest. But <laughs> I'm going to save it for the Terminator 2 discussion because the first Terminator thing I ever saw – was neither it was not any of the movies. It was Terminator 2 3D at Universal Studios Orlando. Unfortunately, we cannot begin the Terminator series with the theme park ride, considering (laughs) how much it ties into the second film. But with that being said, that's gonna be kind of our jumping off point was that I did not I actually saw that first. I saw Terminator two next and actually, this film was the third film I saw in the entire franchise. And Terminator okay. 3 was not out yet by by when all this was happening.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I think but I'm actually in the I'm in a similar boat. Uh, I never saw the 3D version that Zach is talking about. Uh, that'll be good for, for me to get some experience with. But I I definitely, you know, saw the sequel, T2, first before the Terminator. And I've also seen it way more than I've seen the original Terminator. Like, it's been a really long time since I've seen any of the Terminator movies. But when I was growing up, you know, I think we mentioned in our uh, Total Recall episode, basically our parents were the ones who kind of got us into Arnold Schwarzenegger. And my dad loves the second movie, Judgment Day. And I watched that a bunch. Like, I remember seeing that on, like, TNT way back in the day, like, catching just bits and pieces of it all the time. I think I've only seen the original maybe one or two times and it was it was really great to kind of see it again so I'm glad we started here.
0: The problem is that there's this weird sort of I haven't seen it kind of like crop up like in the last couple of years but for like a while there were there was like this weird sort of movement of people being like, "Oh, Terminator the Terminator is a better film than Terminator 2." And I'm like, "A, they're completely separate movies mm-hmm. other than sharing a, the same word in their title."
1: Yeah, I, I looked it up actually because it's they're seven years apart, right? Yeah, like in this is, that's that's crazy to me because you know whenever I think of sequels in Hollywood, they're basically like if we don't do it as fast as possible, it's not going to work. And there was that big of a gap between these. Yeah, that was back when Hollywood still
0: cared, and the idea was like, oh, we have to put time and effort into this. Mm-hmm. Like we actually have to kind of like craft a story that's worthy of like spending like millions of dollars on instead of just like get it out quick. But it's not very good just get it out as long as idiots spend money on it that's all that matters
1: yeah yeah well, yeah, you're uh, but right. yeah.
0: yeah that's kind of like that's the weird thing though but no I'm glad to see because I think I again they're two very different films but the thing though is that like Termin this movie I'd say is much more a horror thriller. Than yeah, is an action adventure film, which is what the second one is more
1: or less. I think yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's in a lot of my notes where kind of I sat down to watch this, and of course you know we're going into it with with a full maybe not full understanding, but whether it be through seeing the movies or cultural osmosis, we understand the the story of the Terminator and the whole time travel stuff. And as I was watching it, expecting that just like straight up action movie, because that's what my dad loves are the straight up action movies. I was it was very much like um, Hardwire or Hardware by Richard Stanley. Like I see the comparisons, it almost has that horror element to it, and I thought it was great fun. Yeah, that's <clears throat> because when you're looking at this movie, like as I was
0: rewatching it and kind of just getting, I say I've seen this movie dozens of times. It's it's funny. There's a. Uh, I can remember because I when I had my trip to Universal Studios, it was the same one that I saw the 18s with, nice. and <laughs> dancing, dancing. <laughs> and I remember like this is like oh God that was October of 2000, and I remember it was Thanksgiving 2000, and my one of my mother's brothers and like two of his kids came to our house for Thanksgiving. And everybody was watching the Mace, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And when we lived in Florida, we had a quote-unquote big TV, as we called it, like one of those like big like projection set TVs. Oh, sure. And it was around like 11 a.m. And I can still remember this to this day. I got bored. And I said, I want to watch The Terminator. And I proceeded to put it on, and my dad yelled at me saying, you can't just put The Terminator on during Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and to this day, I can still hear that in my head. Almost 19 years later, right on the idea of getting bored watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade at eight years old and saying, "I'm gonna put the Terminator on."
1: <laughs> I love that it.
0: just that just tells you the child I was,
1: folks. Yeah, I that, think I think we're getting a good insight because it's like you know when we started this whole podcast and we still talk about it a little bit, but it was the whole thing is like. Rob, in his, you know, after college years, he does this whole late-night movie thing where he just captures people and basically forces them to watch things. But it's always that late-at-night aspect. But what you're telling me now, Zach, is when you were, like, eight years old, you had a captive audience for Thanksgiving <laughs> with your whole family, and you were, like, Terminator time! <laughs> so Essentially, like- I think— I think that's why Zach and I blend so well when we discuss some of this stuff. Sure, we think each other, the other one is a madman, but I think it's just because we come from uh, different perspectives. One from the day, one from the night. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. See, folks, right the, pro-
0: the most primitive of a these presentation is uh, Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> as weird as that may sound. And somehow it doesn't involve Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, but no, so that's kind of like... That was like how I always viewed this movie. I never saw this movie at the time... To- Of 19 years of being exposed to it Mm -hmm. as like a horror thriller film, it was always Arnold Schwarzenegger, the like, oh god, the goodest of the good guys, almost like my version of like what John Wayne was for people back during like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Mm -hmm. That's how I, and to this day, like Schwarzenegger's insane and I love him to death, but like he'll always be that, like. Like hero, I've always said for Schwarzenegger is like my surrogate father figure yeah, because he really yeah. is this larger than life persona. And even though he was in most of his movies, he was really this infallible, like good guy hero. Mm-hmm. And so, like Terminator Two, without a doubt, was always my favorite of the series. And I'm going to have a quite like hot hot take. The further we get into this, because I think my favorite Terminator film has changed over time. Okay, um, it's not this film. Like I love the ambiance of this film. I just love, like, I really. It's funny, and we'll get into this with especially Terminator Salvation and Genesis. The future of this movie. I don't get why we haven't gotten that movie yet. Like the really like smoky purple black like color palette of like you think about it, like you look at those like action sequences. It is like purple black. Yeah. And in like silver. That's it. Like, that's like, I just love that. Like, that's the thing that really kind of drew me in this movie is that, like, yes, the stuff with them, like in 1984 fighting. I've seen that all, but not that I've seen it. I've seen it numerous times. But it's like that part, not that it felt stale, but
1: mm-hmm. it's like,
0: oh, like Robocop has that aesthetic. Yeah. Like, yeah. kind of like that grimy, just like of the moment, like action movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like those like future sequences. I think it's what, 2029 is what the the future is in this movie. Yeah, I think so. That's the parts of this movie. Those are the parts of the movie that really kind of like exploded to me because it's like, wow. Like, especially that he did this with such a, from what I've read, a low budget that you've got this really, really immersive future. That feels like it's a war that's been going on for years. And that's another element this movie doesn't get a lot of credit for is that there is an insane level of world building in this.
1: Yes. I'm glad you bring this up because these I think I had like two big points I wanted to hit on. And this is exactly one of them. Like I love some of the scenes in this where they have these, I guess, technically flash forwards into the future into the war like you know where we get the uh, very early on kyle reese is just like in his car with a shotgun and he's like trying to go to sleep and he's looking at like a crane or or, or, like a, a bulldozer in a nearby construction thing and it just like almost seamlessly blends into his ptsd flash forward of him fighting in the war and like losing people and i was like Wow! This is this is great. This is just fun to watch. I, I'm with you absolutely.
0: Yeah, because like even you get some of that in the very beginning. Because you get like the the, the hunter, ki- the flying hunter killer flies over. Yeah, and, and you get the text on the screen, which I I love. Expository text. I love. Maybe that's the Star Wars part of my brain. <laughs> sure. But like, I love that. Like, it's like it's like the year 2029. It's like from the from the ashes of, of the so and so. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. I'm like, you're like, even though, like, I, I always subscribe to the notion show don't tell, but the fact is, like, you're introducing this movie and you have this really, like, the most dystopian of dystopian futures. Like, people are like the Hunger Games is a dystopian future. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, it's not the world gone to hell.
1: Like, it's yeah. not
0: even like a lot of people look at Mad Max as, like, oh, the world at its absolute worst. Like, well, no, a it's movie, just like,
1: different, it's different forms of civilization, whereas the Terminator future is. There is no civilization because exactly. the machines want to stop it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Basically, all hell is broken loose, and nothing short of a miracle will save mankind. Mm-hmm. And you do get like bits and pieces of dialogue. I guess the thing too is that, like it, there is a lot of Jimmy C in this, where he puts a lot of like dialogue into it. like in this one, it's a little bit more like excusable because he didn't have the money. Yeah, uh, but. Like, you, I know, like, one of the biggest scenes, it took me, like, as a kid, a lot of that went over my head. Because like, when Kyle Reese is being interrogated, and he's just, like, he's just spouting so much dialogue, you kind of lose track of it all.
1: Yeah, and, he says and, a lot in there.
0: <laughs> it's dense. It's a dense, like, dump of exposition. So, you're a soldier. Fighting for whom?
2: With the 132nd under Perry, from 21 to twenty seven. That's the year 2027. That's
0: right. And I was assigned to
2: this is fucking the great. the last two years under John Connor. Who was the enemy again? A computer defense system built for. <whistles> Sorry. Built for SAC NORAD by Cyberdyne Systems. I see. And this uh, computer thinks it can win by uh, killing the mother of its enemy. Killing him, in effect, before he's even conceived sort of retroactive abortion? That guy Silberman cracks me up. Last week he had this guy in there that burned his afghan. Climate. He screwed it first, then he said, Hey, oh. well, shut up. Uh, why did the computer just kill Connor then? Why this elaborate scheme with the Terminator? It had no choice. Their defense grid was smashed. We'd won. Taking out Connor then would make no difference. Uh. Skynet had to wipe out his entire existence. Is that when you captured the lab complex and found that, um, what is it called? Uh, The time displacement equipment? That's right. The Terminator had already gone through. Connor sent me to intercept and they blew the whole place. How are you supposed to get back? I can't. Nobody goes home. Nobody else comes through
0: it's just him and me and it's weird coming especially when like considering the movie's already at the halfway point and you have him being like you have like doctor like oh god Sil- Sylvia? oh no oh my god uh
1: oh my lord yeah, yeah i know seb seb something like that sebion oh seb- my god my, ter-
0: like my terminator credit is going out the window folks i feel so ashamed <laughs> um oh my lord doctor guy his name's Oh god, I remember the actor's name is like Earl Bowen, and that's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah, I I, I have to look it up now. Also,
1: Silberman, Silberman with a
0: with a a B, not a V. Yes, yes, okay, okay. When Doctor Silberman's talking to Kyle Reese, and he's like, "Oh, this is when you went through the uh, the time displacement machine," and that was something that like I don't remember ever really hearing until I started like reading stuff about Terminator Genesis. The fifth mm-hmm. film because it's like oh Like oh my god because that's like that's something That's a, I don't want to see a major plot point in the fifth Film but it is and it's like Oh my god like that's something that like, That was there that was There from the core like the idea of like I never understood the exact timeline Of the Terminator series mm-hmm. When I was younger because it's like oh Kyle Reese goes back in time or I'm sorry the, the Skynet sends A Terminator back in time Kyle Reese is sent in to stop it and you have a second movie that doesn't really make sense because oh, because in the first film Kyle Reese says oh we just dist- we smashed their defense grid we won yeah. there's nothing they, we could yeah do. they
1: had to they had to send somebody to the past for the machines to win, because they were beaten in the future, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, it, it's a fail-safe. And now alone, like, there's, again, there's so many layers that this the script is working on. And it's mm-hmm. weird, that, like, the movie itself doesn't delve into those in any sort of meaningful way, but it's like, oh, God, like, set dress, like a non-physical set dressing.
1: Yes, and I think that you, you're bringing up the second big point that I really enjoyed about this movie, um, was the fact that it technically is a time-travel movie, and they don't beat us over the head with time travel or stupid explanations for it. It was almost refreshing to see a movie just be like, deal with it type of thing. This is just the world we've built you. Now watch it and deal with it. It was great. Well, it wasn't, you know, there was no end game where it was like, oh, we need to have a scene of him figuring this out and, and pushing the audience through the door to get them to that point. It's just like, no, this flows very nicely on its own.
0: Yeah. And it's even like, the thing about that, though, is. This was, like, before, like, Time Machine became, like, a go-to sci-fi plot device in movies.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: To at this point, what? You really only had the Time Machine? Like, H.G. Wells' – Sure. Like, like that yeah. movie with what with, with, uh, Malcolm McDowell. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really have that be, like, a major, like, plot. Like, especially, God, back in, like, the 70s and 80s. Sci-fi really wasn't a big genre. Like, your big sci-fi films were, like, Planet of the Apes. Yep. 2001. And that was kind of, it. I like, guess, you had, by Terminator, you had Blade Runner
1: and mm-hmm. Alien.
0: And Alien's more of a horror film than, than a, a science fiction film. Yeah, uh, But I think that's kind of the thing, though, is that, like, you do have this plot device that, at that point, wasn't really even established yet. So you didn't have the baggage that people, unfortunately, now put with using time, like, time travel.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But he does give an explanation for it Because when Dr. Silverman Is like, interrogating Kyle Reese It's like well how are you here Or, it's like, or how are you going to get back I can't It's like, they, like we blew it up after I went through So no one could ever mm. use it again Which yep. again it doesn't really explain Terminator 2 in any meaningful way yeah. uh, But it's like it's funny Nobody questions that like, Terminator 2 is a great movie But it doesn't make sense It doesn't matter because everything else is perfect about it We're going to leave it alone
1: Yeah, I do. I do have to say I uh, there's a a lot of little touches that I didn't I think we're discussing some of the little touches that I didn't notice or both of us didn't notice kind of in our in our younger years of seeing this. But there is that one kind of line where, like, I think Kyle Reese first picks up Linda, Linda Hamilton and she's like, are you saying that you're from the future? And he's like, he's like from one possible future. And there's that little line where I'm like, oh, wow, there's actually. Like, like you know, like we said with Skynet, a failsafe. It's like the the scripts failsafe that they can explain anything away because you know it's like. It, I think that's another thing that I really enjoyed. They didn't get bogged down into the details of time travel, but this is one of the earliest movies that it takes uh, advantage of the grandfather paradox. You know, like John Connor doesn't exist unless Kyle Reese goes back in time and and helps father him type of thing. Where you know that is something now that we see all the time. It's like, how would this happen if you went back in time? Blah blah blah. And this was just like, nope, we don't need to focus on that. We're just dealing with it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And and the fun thing is that like we kind of take that idea of like, oh, Kyle Reese goes back in time, goes is sent back in time by John Connor. Kyle Reese impregnates Sarah Connor with John Connor. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of thinking about that. Like by the end of this movie. That must have been like a major like I don't want to say like a sixth sense level like, oh man, Bruce Wellis has been dead the entire time. but that must have been like a really like radical like notion to yeah. end a movie on that you have like your protag the movie is practically over because like once you see her get wheeled out or she gets wheeled onto the ambulance, you're like, oh, the movie's over. she won. Then you like watch it and there's like kind of like this pseudo epilogue where you see mm-hmm. her pregnant and she's talking into the, into the recorder and it's never explicitly stated. Cause I don't think she says John Connor. She just says like, oh, will it affect your decision to send your father to protect me? Yes. And it's like, it's so just, I don't want to say veiled, but it's not hitting the audience over the head. Mm-hmm. Which is really un Jimmy C like because Jimmy C would later yeah. go on to do with most of his other movies, whether it be like Titanic, Avatar. That's all he does. Is- yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's why I think it's so weird that like he went from being this like highbrow writer to like, oh, I'm going to sit there focused exclusively on the technology and neglect mm-hmm. like, like the story. And not neglect, just not put as much effort into it as he would with everything else. Yeah, that's like that, a good point. There, there's so much of this movie that we kind of like take for granted that, like, if this, like, I don't want to use the phrase, like, if this came out today, because that's not fair, because so much is, again, like, think of all the things, like, how Hollywood was changed because of this movie. Like, we don't get Jimmy C. So, like, we don't get Titanic. We don't get Avatar. We mm. don't get Arnold Schwarzenegger. We don't get Terminator 2, which fundamentally changed how Hollywood looked at sequels. Yep. You don't get Stan Winston. Who became this like tour de force in the special effects industry.
1: Yeah. and there,
0: There's so much. Yes. Poor. I have all these people like Michael Bean got the short end of the stick because he kind of not his career fizzled, but like he kind of has this and aliens mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like no, yeah, I, mean, I had to. I had to look him up and be like, where do I know this person from other than this movie? <laughs> well, let me
0: rephrase that. He has Terminator, Aliens and Clockstoppers.
1: Oh, he was – oh, man. And Clockstoppers. I haven't seen Clockstoppers in forever. Is he going to – Is Michael Bean's coming back for the Six Terminator, right? I think I heard. No, that. No, I don't think no, so. No, he's not? Oh, no, okay. Just Linda Hamilton. So. Okay.
0: But, uh, And Edward Furlong.
1: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. Edward Furlong.
0: No, no Michael Bean,
1: unfortunately. Okay. That, yeah, I'm I probably saw thinking a, of Furlong.
0: Yeah, poor Mike. About, I saw an article about Michael Bean. I think from like The Hollywood Reporter a couple months ago, where he said something like, oh, like I didn't want to have a big like movie star career. And I'm like, no actor says that. No actor becomes <laughs> an actor to not become, like, not to say, like, you want to be, like, like an over-the-top, like, movie star, like a Brad Pitt or, like, a George Clooney. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but yeah. Like, nobody becomes an actor to eventually kind of, like, die in obscurity. Exactly. Or, or be known for, like, one, two characters tops. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, no, like, I, I think Michael being in this as I was watching this, like, I know, like, obviously, Schwarzenegger is the larger-than-life performance. Mm-hmm. But, like, Michael Bean, like, in in the the few, like, well, the many scenes where he's spouting expository dialogue, he has this, like, it took me a while to figure out the exact, like, words I'd use to describe it, but he has, like, this frantic conviction to every single line of dialogue that he says, where, like, he is just, like, he is so, I don't want to say panicked. But it is, it's a frantic conviction Like he is, not that he's scared Out of his mind, but he's just So like, he's on, every single sequence He's on edge, because he doesn't Know, like he's out of his element Well, he's not on firm Footing, because I know he even, there's a couple Lines of dialogue where he's like, "How?" I think Linda Hamilton asked him, it's like, how are we Going to defeat these things, he's like, with these Weapons, I don't know, yeah And I think that's what it's, it's like He doesn't know what to do he, he's in a world where nobody understands What's going to happen And he has this like unstoppable force That just constantly keeps coming after him And he has to outthink this thing That's been programmed, programmed To literally do nothing but destroy him
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And I think it's so interesting That we see him numerous times like Facing off against these things And yet he, and for the most part he's rather calm Like when we see him With his little like female sidekick When they're blowing up the giant Tank, he's calm. Yep. When we see him in, like, when he's driving the truck with the turret mounted to the back of it, for the most part, he's calm. When he's in kind of the trenches and the trenches get invaded, he's calm. Yet when he's brought out of that out of that this dy- dystopian future, he gets much more frantic.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: And, and I think it's like, wow, like there had to go, there had to be thought that went into that, because they could think about it, they could very easily have told him. Act the same way. Like, you've, you've fought, like, hundreds of these things.
1: Yeah, they you're- could have just been like, you're a soldier. But it's really like, you're a soldier who's completely out of their element. And that's what I, I think I, I really loved like, you're, exactly what you're saying in that scene that I mentioned where he has, like, the, the PTSD of going back to war when he sees a machine in 1984 and all that. Yeah, it's played fantastically.
0: He knows what all these things will eventually lead. Like, he sees, like, all, like, the construction equipment. And he mm-hmm. knows this sort of technology is, like, the bedrock of what all these things will eventually evolve into the destruction
1: of mankind. Yeah, and you I it's interesting you bring that up because you know it's it's almost like um cuz you know in in this in just this film, not thinking of the others, but just the timeline and the and the time travel of this, it's like he's sent back to, you know, prevent the uh, machines from killing Sarah Connor, but when he sees all the machines in 1984, it's kind of like I'm only doing this so that we can beat the machines one day. It's not like, you know, Terminator 3, where it's like, how do we stop Skynet? He knows that the machines are going to rise up. They're not even trying to stop that. He's just trying to make sure that the Resistance can be there in the future. And that's that's a heavy suicide mission. Be like, a lot of people are going to die, and we can't do anything about it, but maybe we can save this one person that will help humanity.
0: Yeah, and the whole idea that, like, we don't even, like, it probably could have been very easily for them to cast a John Connor to have at some point. Or ha- I know even like in Terminator Genesis, there's like one scene of like Jason Clark, like John Connor, like giving like the rousing like hero speech, like, this is the day that it ends. Okay. This is the day where it's been prophesized. I'll and there's none of that. Like it's just like it's not about like Terminator, like even though Terminator 2 changes a little bit of that though. Mm-hmm. But like this series, like it's about John Connor without him ever being the focus of it.
1: Yeah, like, and I love that indirectness to it.
0: Yeah like that's the fun part like John Connor is essentially a major character In this movie and we never see him mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. a name He's a name that has great importance Because he is the linchpin To mankind beating this force back But he is not As a physical character in the movie He's not important
1: Yeah exactly
0: like that's, that's great Like in, I don't think anybody looks at Terminator on that level Of having a character that important to a story That doesn't appear in the movie
1: yeah, and I, I it think need with, to appear in the movie. Exact with that, and with the time travel stuff we were discussing, it's it's the amount of restraint in this movie is refreshing to me because they don't they don't like waste too much time on certain things. It's like we've been saying, just here you go, this is the plot, deal with it, type of thing. And it's it's I'm along for the ride.
0: And I don't even. That's the thing too is that like, again, when this was being made, like in eighty like eighty three, eighty four, it wasn't even restraint. It was the idea that like this was a very small budgeted film. And James K- Jimmy C didn't have a pot to piss in. Like it was, yeah, it was, like, it
1: was more of the financial and physical restraint than the creative restraint. Yeah,
0: yeah. Because I know, like, I was reading some things about this where he had like all these ideas. Because apparently he had a like I don't want to call the subplot, but like more of a oh god, an elaborate setup that like oh like in the future. Two Terminators were sent in time. One was sent. Like there was like he, he claims that he had the idea for the liquid morphing one. Okay. He, he claims he had that as an idea that he had to shelf because the technology wasn't there for it. That's that's really easy to say when you're promoting the second film. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how true it is. Mm-hmm. But he had the idea like oh there was gonna be two Resistance people sent forward in time. Or, I'm sorry, sent back in time. But one of them was gonna die in the process. Like he said he had all these different ideas And it's like well Who knows how true it is like I've already said But it's the idea that it's like okay You have to like keep the plot As kind of like stripped down as humanly possible Because A I don't have the means to execute it And two if I do layer these things on Most of it will go over the audience's head Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. At the same time though Like when we do talk about the interrogation scene Yes Is that a lot of that dialogue superfluous Sure like we don't like what the hell Does time displacement machine mean to people in 1984 yeah
1: yeah it means
0: It means and I don't just mean like in the movie I mean to the audiences of yeah exactly It's it just a sci-fi
1: concept yeah
0: Yeah it's a, you say time machine doesn't matter and that's kind of the thing that again of all the stuff jimmy c does because like you know with you go into stuff with arnold i was reading like oh like they were doing things where like when he punches through the the windshield of the car when they're backing out they're like oh like they didn't have the time and money to like do multiple multiple takes they didn't have the time to like like replace windshields so they Mm -hmm. had to have like a process like a oh god uh Not prosthetic that's not the right The ideal word for it though But they had to have like a fake arm that would punch Through the windshield angle the camera At the right like position So Schwarzenegger could be there so it would look Perfect and -hmm. they had they do that One shot right on that was it That was it they had one shot to do it in and it's like, oh wow. And then you have things like I know a lot of people, it's oh god, it was so disappointing. I was like like I do for most cinematic conversations. I went and like looked at like what YouTube was saying about this and other things. Yeah. And even though there's like no shortage, like unlike wonder shows in there's <laughs> no shortage of Terminator yeah. analysis like analysis out there. And like like and people are like, oh, this like some of the special effects look so fake.
1: And I'm like, oh,
0: God. I'm like, are we really going to go
1: through this? That's some of the beauty of this movie, though. It's like the fake Arnold head, you know, when he's cutting his eye out and stuff like that. And you get the the weird composite shots of, like, the stop-motion Terminator robot at the end and stuff. I, I thought that added to the flair of it.
0: Well, that's the thing, though. That, like, people, I, I guess it's just the age we live in now where we have to just criticize everything. Yeah, Nothing yeah. short of just, like, oh, God, like. Avengers endgame where the last like 45 minutes is just like a hard drive just throwing up in your face. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't matter because like I was going back and I was watching, I've seen this movie dozens of times. And when I was watching the scene of him in like the motel and he's like fixing his face, and like I was actually having to like cringe and look away from the screen because of how disturbing it was. Because it looks so real. Like when he's sitting there pulling the lens off of his eye, I'm like, oh God. And I'm like, I didn't have that reaction when I was eight years old. I sat there, ate all of this up. Like I was like yeah. glued to the screen. And yet, it's only now that when my brain is finally like uh, developed into an adult that I look at it and go, Oh God, this is grotesque. This is so like like real looking. And I know a lot of people like to point to the sequence when he puts the like the sunglasses on. As, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's very clearly like a fake head, like an animatronic head. And yet I look at that now and, like, yes, of course, that scene is there because they, they, the makeup wasn't at a point where you could actually do the things you could do with like Terminator yeah. 2 and Terminator, all the other subsequent Terminator films. But, like, if you look at that scene in the context of the movie, it's a robot. A robot, like if it's damaged and is trying to repair itself on the fly, like think of it in the Terminator universe. How often is a Skynet CS model one hundred one having to repair itself in the field in the past?
2: Mm-hmm, exactly, it
0: doesn't. It, it's it's really I would imagine for a machine, it's working on files and it's cobbling together different like. Probably protocols. And the whole idea that it would be, okay, I have a damaged eye. As an infiltration unit, that's not going to work. So how am I going to do this? I have to put sunglasses on. And if it's a machine that's damaged out of its element, it is going to be a little jerky and awkward in how it moves.
1: Exactly. I was thinking the same exact thing. It's a robot. It's synthetic. Uh, They say in the movie it's supposed to be organic tissue that looks like a human. But it's like, you know, it has, it has some, uh, some armor to that idea. Cause you're right. It is a robot. It's not going to look natural.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't think about it. Like back in, in 2029, if, if the infiltration unit gets damaged, it just probably gets retired. or it Mm -hmm. gets destroyed. It probably gets in probably stripped of any sort of reusable assets.
1: Yeah, and this was very different of a mission than they've ever encountered. You're absolutely right.
0: Exactly, and that's why. Like, if it is if it is moving that way, it's probably like. And obviously, you could say that he doesn't jerk that sort of way ever again in the movie. Like I said, you can't concede the fact they're working within their limitations. That's that's there. You can't argue with that. But it's the idea that like I don't see that as jarring. It just plays into the inorganic nature of the character.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you when you said, you know, that you were kind of, you know, um, cringing in in the good way, the true meaning of the word cringe, you know, like because of that blood and that stuff like that. And I was too. And I loved it because I think we've discussed it a little bit on this podcast before. I love when people do surgery on themselves. Like, it's always the weirdest thing to me to watch because it makes me cringe. And this did it great. Like, yeah, I could tell it was fake, but it's all fake. Like, there's this, there's an episode in season seven, a house, where he like starts he excises tumors from his own leg in his bathtub, and it's like I don't care if it looks real or fake because I know it's fake. I just <laughs> want to get the sense of that's what this character is going through, whether or not it's someone who's the main character or this robotic villain. I want to be able to be like, oh, that's a little gross and weird, just because it should be able to carry that feeling, and this does it fantastically.
0: Yes, because, again, everybody gets so caught up in just, like, tearing things apart. And it's like, what is the point of the scene? It's the Terminator repairing itself. hmm Does the scene accomplish that goal? Yes. 100%. M- moving on. It's like, that's that's what it boils down to. Yeah, yeah. And that's, again, going into this a little bit more of the special effects of this, is that, like, even, like, there's small touches. Like, you have very early, again, after the the technoir scene in in the nightclub, Mm -hmm. you have Arnold Schwarzenegger running down the alley after the two of them. Kyle Reese gets behind the car, shoots the gas tank of the car in front of them. And this is one of the smallest touches that I've never really picked up on until this viewing is that after Arnold runs through the fireball, his eyebrows are gone. His entire eyebrows
1: are singed off. I didn't even notice that. But yeah, that's that you're exactly right. Those nice small touches.
0: It's the idea like, okay, his eyebrows would like, think about if you're running through a fireball, that's one of the first things, or, or not even just run, you get caught in a fireball. Mm-hmm, that'd be one mm-hmm. of the first pieces of your physical appearance that would be gone.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: And that's why you don't, again, that's, I can't, and yet people will attack the motel repair scene and won't even reference that. Being like, oh, that's how far ahead they were thinking.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even notice that one. So right on. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that there's more in there that I didn't pick up on. Awesome. Yeah,
0: and then there's like, especially going to the end battle, like once like all the
1: the the clothes and the skin
0: is melted off of him after the oil tanker explodes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like we already said, some of the stop motion is like jerky looking. And oh, you know, I
1: love it! It's a robot. But- It should move in a weird way, right?
0: (laughs) And it's damaged. Like, think about it. It's gone. Think of all the damage that thing has taken at that point. Yeah. And yet, it's still able to move, and it's no, and it's not even considering stopping at that point.
2: Mm Hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, I think
0: again, like again, I don't. I've never been scared by the Terminator. I just that's never been a thing, though. But like, I would imagine if I was a kid watching this in nineteen eighty four, like on a Friday night, this would be terrifying. Having this like endoskeleton metal creature that really does like again, like it's funny, like as we're recording this, I have two terminator like endoskeleton things on my desk. I have an 18-inch figure and I have a terminator endoskeleton bust. But like like we've made the terminator into this like sort of almost cool object, which kind of I think kind of robs it of the horror element of what it embodies. Mm -hmm. Like the Terminator, like Terminator 2 in a weird way like it cemented this the series in history yeah but at the same time it kind of ruined
1: anything going beyond the second film yeah because like we were saying before i think you know the ones i'm more familiar with um just in terms of watching it are 2 and 3 and those are those are just action movies they're yeah, just it, straight up you know like i remember seeing the third one and we'll have to i'll tell the whole story with my father in theaters back in the day and my dad loved it Because he's like, you know, the first two minutes, I think, what, the female Terminator gets on the fire truck and it's like destroying a whole city street. My dad's like, I'm so on board with this. But the first movie couldn't be anything any farther removed from that. Yeah, that's the weird thing is that like every single
0: Terminator film, except for the fourth one, is like it's almost like the Alien franchise. Every movie retells more or less the exact same story, but with a different like creative like, like figurehead at it. Because every movie essentially is like one character being sent back in time to protect another one. Yep. And yes, like that works to varying degrees of success with each film. But that's the thing, though. Like the Terminator, like the, okay, by Terminator, I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. Mm -hmm. Has evolved from being like this like embodiment of evil with the first one. Or this unstoppable malevolent force to being like the ultimate badass.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's kind of like, the. I think it's, I don't want to say it's weird, but it's kind of fascinating that in the span of seven years, we were able to have that such a dramatic shift. Yeah, that's a good point. Whereas like audience, I think again, and I, I know it's like a big like hallmark quote with this series being like the Terminator is the only character on AFI's like a hundred heroes, hundred villains list that's listed as both a hero and a villain. And oh, it's true, okay. like like Arnold Schwarzenegger plays one of the most iconic villains of all time mm-hmm. and one of the most iconic heroes of all time. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like think about that in cinematic history. Name one other example of that where the where the same actor essentially plays the same. God, it's not the same character, but it's the same physical character. Strip away the yeah the nature of the character, where that is it's it's two completely separate characters, and they're one's the ultimate villain, and one's the ultimate hero. One is this malevolent force that will do nothing to stop stop to kill you.
1: The only thing that the only thing that comes to mind, it's a great question you ask because you're right, Arnold does this and the only other thing that comes to mind took, you know, years after this and it's Kyle MacLachlan in Twin Peaks the return. He's the embodiment of evil of the Black Lodge. Who is Judy? Who is Judy? And he's the super good FBI agent when he's, you know, when he wakes up from being Dougie Jones. I can't, nothing else pops into my head. You're absolutely right.
2: You are awake. One hundred percent. Finally.
0: Yeah. I think that's, and that's another, again, well, there's a lot of overarching questions to talk about when it comes to the Terminator series.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but no, like, this is, and considering this is the only film where we do get that, the Terminator as an Arnold being the villain, so that that's going to be a hallmark of this discussion. But yeah, though, it's it's just, I find that fascinating, because it's like, I, I was thinking about that while watching, this. So I'm like, I have two, ter- again, I have more Terminator action figures than I know what to do with. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but the endoskeleton, for the most part is a villain. Like there's yep. never a Terminator film in the entire series where a Terminator completely stripped of its skin is a good guy. Exactly. And yet we anytime we see the endoskeleton, we think of badass.
1: Yeah, we're like, we oh that's cool. You know, that's not scary. That's something that, you know, is almost like like you said, you have a bust on your, your desk or your table or whatever. Cause it's like, man, it's like this is like you don't think of it as a killing machine, you think of it as an icon of of badassery and toughness and yeah, you're right. That's a great point, point. and that's something that's completely has
0: been lost over time. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I think that's so funny. It's like, I, again, it's just fascinating as a yeah. concept. Definitely, um, and a lot of that. And it's funny because like you can't attribute any of the endoskeleton to Arnold
2: mm-hmm, because it's mm-hmm. that's not
0: it's not him in the slightest. Like, yes, yep. it's this, in the first film, it's the same character, but at that point though, it's almost like it's the the, the devil has shrouded his his disguise.
1: Yeah, his final like, form. Yep
0: hmm And again, going back to the discussion about the special effects, is like especially like when you see, I, I can still remember the first time I ever watched this film. And I, I think I had to have seen it with my father. And I remember like when Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor are embracing, and like you see them, and, and the shot is framed perfectly because you know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I can still remember him being like, just wait, just wait. It's like he's not done yet. And my father was great at ruining things like that for me. For when I was a kid, it was more about him kind of like being one step ahead of the curve than it was about me like watching the film unfold by itself. Mm -hmm. But it is like when the Terminator rises from like the the oh god, it's not just smoldering the the flames. Like that is a like a spooky thing, and you have like we'll probably play the clip of it here. You have that musical sting too of blang blang. Yeah,
2: we did it, Kyle. We got it.
0: And it's like, oh, that's terrifying. It's like, it's like you think about it. Like, Kyle Reese has been shot a couple of times she's she's even though she's more or less fine the sense of physically she's an emotional and mental mess Yep. and he's and he's like limping along he can barely sit there. she has to carry think about it she has to carry her protector
1: yeah 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 she has to be the one who's like you know Come on, let's do it. And then she's like, soldier, let's go on your feet. Like, she has to push him that last yeah. step, few steps of the way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Again, another element of this film that doesn't get any credit. The idea that the pra- protagonist has to carry their protector yep. into the final battle. Yeah, it's so cool. I can't think of another movie. I, 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 even, like, be I, I, again, mostly for, like, Hollywood, big budget, this sort of stuff, though. But I can't think of that. Think of another movie where, the like, the hero— the protector has to be carried into battle like that even at the end of terminator 2 <laughs> yeah, like even, yeah. yeah like even at the end of terminator 2 yes is arnold kind of like beat the hell in the end yeah because he gets like his arm ripped off um like half of his face is gone and you get that though but at the end that he beat it's him he's the one that beats the t1000
1: yeah i i guess it might just be stuck in my head now that i've said it once and so i'll just keep relating to it but once again <laughs> that that twin peaks like Dougie Jones, he has to be pushed by the Black Lodge to finally wake up type of thing. So, But yeah, it's very sparse examples of this. That's a great point.
0: Especially, and you know, we keep referencing Twin Peaks here. It's the idea that like Twin Peaks is like, I don't want to say fringe, but it's not the Terminator, like the first two films.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's,
0: it's not that thing that's like a cultural touchpoint for a large percentage of the population.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: And that's why I think it's fascinating, though, not to go back to our favorite punching bag of all time. But can you imagine, like, the end of like Avengers? The idea that, like, you have, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example, but, like, somebody having to, like, care, like, oh god, somebody has to carry Captain America into the final battle, and yet he dies before it's over. Like, mm-hmm. can, can, can you imagine that happening in today's like movie realm?
1: Yeah, I hear you.
0: That's, yeah, yeah, I,
1: be, yeah, that's an interesting point.
0: The only other, I guess, another example you kind of use is like the end of uh, Avatar. I guess and go back to Jimmy C is the idea that like Sam Worthington avatar is like disabled by a military man, and it has to be uh, uh, Zoe Saldana that has to finish off mil- finish off the military man. Oh, okay. But okay. but the argument can be made too that Sam Worthington isn't her protector. Like, yeah, they are yeah. they are clearly established as equals, and he's I would say almost for the most part below her.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do not remember <laughs> that at all, so... Rob, so Rob's okay. like,
0: Zach, you could be making up this entire thing, I'd have to agree with you. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, I, yeah, I, I only, I, like we've discussed on this podcast, I've only seen Avatar once. It was with Zach that opening night, and honestly, the only thing I really remember is, doesn't Michelle Rodriguez, like, fly her helicopter into a wall or something like that? <laughs> what happens... <laughs> We'll get into that.
0: Uh, there'll be some point in this podcast history where we'll have to get... Avatar's going to have to come up at some point.
1: Maybe when Avatar 2 comes out, we'll go back and watch that's, Avatar. That's so four years good. from now. That's <laughs> never good. You mean 40 years from now. 40 years. Yeah. back uh, The next time Zach lets me choose a series on cinemodities, we'll have Avatar 2 to discuss. There we go. That's... <laughs>
0: uh Avatar. Uh, but no, like, again, uh, the, the Kyle Reese thing, like, that's... His performance in this, like once you like take away everything else, like it's funny. I remember like when The Dark Knight came out, everyone's like, oh, like Aaron Eckhart would be nominated for like a best supporting actor nomination if it weren't for everything else in the movie. (laughs) And that's and that's kind of what it is. The idea of like you have this like side I don't want to call it a side character, but like not the like the main characters Mm. doing something. That's like just like they're so they're adding so much to the movie, but because everything else is just firing up and beyond its normal like limits, it gets kind of lost. Now you get again he gets yeah. lost in Ar- think about it, Arnold Schwarzenegger in this is a tour de force. Special effects beyond anything people have seen at this time, especially for something so like small like limited budget,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you have the overall just you have like a captivating story. Yeah. So the idea of, like, the human character unfortunately gets lost
1: in all this. That's a good point. Absolutely.
0: But, um, yeah. So I guess we should delve into more Arnold, right?
1: Yeah, I... We also (laughs) have to talk about O.J. Simpson, too, right? of course you have to talk about (laughs) O.J. Simpson. There was this one scene... that I was watching it uh, last night when I was watching this movie. I was, like, dying laughing because there's that one scene when Kyle Reese and... um, uh, Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor, like they first find each other and they're on the run. There's a, like a, a point where they pause and Kyle Reese is like, he's still out there. This Terminator's coming for you. He can't be reasoned with. He can't be bargained with, all that stuff. And I think somebody out there should make like a fan edit of that scene of Kyle Reese in his very panicked and frantic talking. You know, it's like, you can't reason with him. And then in in like the interplay of that, it, it is it will cut to scenes of OJ's white Bronco slow speed chase (laughs) (laughs) for some reason I thought that would be so funny where it's just like you know he can't be reasoned with he will never stop coming at you and then they do that overhead shot of like the the Bronco with like the 20 police cars behind (laughs) it. I just thought that was so funny to some reason but listen and understand that
2: Terminator is out there it can't be bargained with it can't be reasoned with it doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear, and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are
1: dead. This was a story, of course, Zach was the first one to, t- to tell me about, but isn't the long in- or the short of it basically? James Cameron said nobody would believe oj simpson is a killer so he didn't get cast as the terminator well that's the okay i looked into this
0: story a little bit more because this is Good. one of those like things that shows up like on like like rob says yeah. yeah this, this like is a hollywood barger. lore yeah yeah what it was on the dvd i have they have two like featurettes behind the scenes things and originally james cameron wanted lance Henriksen as okay. the terminator and he eventually decided against it because he thought Lance was a little too like lanky and small. Mm-hmm. And then it's Gail and Hurd, the producer, who well, I think Jimmy C was. I don't know if I don't think he was married to her yet because that's one of his like fifth, like five or six like brides he's had over okay. time. <laughs> and she's like, oh, at one point we considered people like O.J. Simpson. And I think that's where I think she was interviewed sometime like in the like late 80s, early 90s. I think it was like in conjunction with the release of Terminator 2. She was interviewed about Terminator 2. She's like, oh, like we were thinking of somebody like OJ Simpson. And then like years later, after the OJ trial, after the whole like Nicole Simpson thing, it became like, oh, we couldn't cast like it's like no one would be, no one would have believed OJ was capable of something like this. That's mm. what I think. Because I can't again okay. I could be wrong, but from based on what I've read, that kind of like like idea has evolved into like, oh that yeah. like we like we were gonna cast OJ until like like oh because he was like because he was so innocent looking but no one would have bought it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was that. I think he maybe was on like, like people were like, oh, like O j. Simpson wants to get into movies.
1: He was on a but short list or something like that. I don't know. cause I'm trying to think okay. like what was
0: o j doing like in eighty yeah, three?
1: Like that's I, what I mean though
0: like, <laughs> I don't I don't I, I can't imagine, like, like based on what we know about o j now, that this is something he would have been like like into. Like that's the weird thing. Like that's one of, it's one of those weird, like Hollywood, like you said, lore legends. Mm-hmm. But I think it kind of stems from a place of like, oh, somebody said something like, I don't know, I don't know how he, I don't know how popular he even was at that point, like, in in Hollywood circles.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That he would have been something like that, because O.J. really did become kind of like, I don't think he really was that sort of like, oh, God, like, I don't want to say Hollywood, but kind of like, like, Los Angeles, Bel-Air, kind of like bougie person. Yeah. Until, like, later. I don't think he was that in the early 80s. I,
1: yeah, that's what I uh, would agree, you know, I never really saw him that way. Um, It was like, he was famous for the football, and then, What he was in Roots and the Naked Gun movies—that's where I know him from. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe he was someone they genuinely looked at. Hmm. Could be, but but yeah, that's that's exactly what I was looking for because this, you know, the one liner of this story is something I've always heard ever since Zach told me about it way back in the day, and it's one of those things where it's like, is the is the little quip better than the actual tale? And that probably is the case for most of the Hollywood lore that we discuss.
0: Yeah, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, if you can boil it down to one sentence, you know that no one would believe OJ would kill somebody, and then be like, "Oh, what do we know now?" That type of thing, you know. It just it rolls off the tongue. So, okay. Why? Uh, um, but
0: yeah, no. Schwarzenegger in this is like again, he's great. He's he's doing again. He's cementing his shtick mm-hmm. that unfortunately mm-hmm. he'll never be able to break out of for the most part. <laughs> yep. And it's it's funny because like I know like obviously it's weird that like nowadays you don't see people quote this anymore. And I guess it's also weird too that like people don't quote movie lines anymore. Mm -hmm. Is Rob probably can remember like again when we were in high school it was starting to like die out. But even prior to that, like there'd be things like in movies or on TV. Like one of my favorite examples is like when Friends was like on like the air airing new episodes, people would go around being like. Well, how you doing? Like like oh, Joey and yeah. Matt LeBlanc yeah. would do, and yet you don't have that anymore at all. People like people like will quote movies, but like it's such like a specific thing tied to like their identity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like if you're a movie person, like Rob and I, like you'll be spouting like like movie clips all the time, but like you won't have that sort of like ubiquitous nature of movie quotes to people outside of that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I think I, I think I said it maybe recently on on uh, this podcast or maybe Nights of Vader. But it's like I hate when people like I will I will quote a movie. And just as Zach said, it'll be from a very specific instance of a movie. Like, um, I think my my favorite one today is the the Leonardo DiCaprio yelling at the Manson family at the end of Once Upon a <laughs> Time in Hollywood. If you want to <laughs> smoke weed on a dark road, fix your fucking muffler. Like I quote that all the time because I love that line.
2: You! Yeah, asshole! I'm talking to you! What the hell do you think you're doing bringing that noisy hunk of shit around here at midnight? This is a private road, alright? Who are you? And who are you here to see, huh? No, sir, we just got lost in a little around. Ah, horse shit.
1: Fucking hippies came up here to smoke dope on a dark road, huh? Next time you want to try that, fix your fucking mouth. I hate when I quote movie things and it's like, people will be like, what's that from? And it's like, that's irrelevant. Like, I didn't say it to show you I'm, I am know more movies than you do. I said it to add something to this conversation. It doesn't matter where it's from. And I feel like that's what people think. They think that should be this some, you know, like you said, it should be this ubiquitous statement that everybody can immediately recognize it type of thing. And it's no, that that's not what it has to be. Yeah
0: but the thing is that like we don't Have that anymore like where we don't have Like those things like again For years you could like Walk around Rob even did it before we took a bathroom Break it was like I'll be back Like you could sit there go anywhere On the face of this earth And you'd say I'll be back Mm -hmm. Immediately Arnold Schwarzenegger the Terminator Yep. yep. And sure, they've kind of driven that into the ground with every single Terminator movie to the (laughs) point where, like, every character has to say that and like they stare directly into the camera and they wink. I think that's exactly what Christian Bale does in Terminator Genesis, uh, Salvation. He looks directly into the camera. It's like Bryce Dallas Howard's, like, "What should I tell you?" It's so it's so funny. At the time, it was great. I loved it. But like now you watch it, it's so like like it's genuine cringe inducing because of how awful it is. You don't (laughs) even see you hear her voice. She's like, what should I tell your troops when they go looking for you? And the music stops. And he goes, Tell them. Looks directly into the camera. (laughs) I'll be back. And I'm like, oh it's like, oh yeah. It's like, oh no. Yeah. No, this isn't cool. This is awful.
1: You've yeah, I have a cool ha- thing. I I agree completely and I I haven't seen it yet but I've had people tell me and and I've had people um uh, I think bring up the same exact idea the I think in Genesis whichever movie has Amelia Clark in it that someone was like they basically have her look right at the camera and say come with me if you want to live. And yeah. it's like That's not what this movie is. This movie is not just quotes. Yes, they were very meaningful, and there's a reason that everybody, you know, at one point, the culture phenomenon of I'll be back. There's a reason that was there, but you can't just take them and have other characters say them. They don't have the same meaning, those lines anymore.
0: Exactly. It's kind of like it has to – It's that's the thing that makes you mad about, like, what goes on now with blockbuster
1: movies, especially, again, Marvel.
0: It's like like when Arnold – I'm sorry. When Jimmy C wrote the line – I'll be back. And apparently there was I don't know if it was then or kind of like ballooned net like after the fact.
1: Mm-hmm. Apparently
0: the, the original line was I will be back. Okay. He or he says like I'll, he says I will come back. Sure. And like Jimmy C had to fight Arnold to keep the line I'll be back cuz apparently Arnold didn't like the contra- contraction he he figured a cyborg wouldn't use a contraction. And oh, apparently okay. Jimmy C told Arnold, I don't tell you how to act, so don't you tell me how to write. Which sounds exact. Which is a perfect Jimmy C retort. And
1: then Jimmy C pointed to his uh, HMIFC hat, right? (laughs) Or HMFIC, whatever the the naturalism should be. (laughs) Yeah. Um. I I should say he he looked up at Arnold and pointed at his hat, right? (laughs) (laughs) Don't give me a shit. You you. He's not German. Aus- Austrian, uh, Austrian actor, yeah.
0: <laughs> Austrian bodybuilder. What the hell do you know about the English language? Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, but no. But like, that's the thing. Was like when he wrote that line, he did not write it thinking like he even says that like in numerous interviews. Like, I never wrote that line thinking it would be like a cultural like touchstone moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, but like, you look at things now, and you have like with with goddamn Avengers. It's like I am Iron Man. It's like that's America's ass.
1: I can do this all day
0: you take This very kind of like moment like That that works in the movie like oh At the end of Iron Man I am Iron Man it's the idea of like oh we're like again It sets a template for all the other movies This isn't going to be your your normal Superhero thing of a secret identity Mm -hmm. Oh makes sense in the movie Great it works it's organic You have uh, I'll do this all Day from Captain America he's a little Wimpy kid with a spirit that that's Ten times bigger than his physical size Great it works but like, oh, ten years later We have him walking into a alternate Version of himself, and he says to The line, it's like, it doesn't mean anything Yeah, exactly. it's, it's hollow, and then we have Tony Stark performing self-sacrifice Announcing who he is It's like, it's not there for any other Reason than just, it's plugged in to Making a moment
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's kind of, I guess the last Thing you can think of, like an organic Moment from a movie became ubiqu- Lines of dialogue became ubiquitous was um I guess Borat, I guess oh, Borat sure. was the last oh. time where people like saw a movie. It clicked with with audiences, and it became no, it became obnoxious after a while. But it was like whoa, whoa, we well.
1: Yep, yep, my wife, mm, yeah, all that stuff.
0: I like a sex. It' nice.
1: Uh, that, what kind that... of dog is this? It's <laughs> <is> a tortoise.
0: <laughs> is this a cat in the head? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man! yeah. And that one didn't even get like crazy popular. That's just because we get yes. out and stuff like that. So yeah, I hear you. Yes, yeah, so you don't get that. Um, you
2: know, the, the only anymore. thing
1: I can the only thing I can think of is I hear it um, less now than I did when it came out. But Rick and Morty quotes like uh, yeah. real fake doors all the time. And you know, it was like, okay, come on, you know, all that stuff.
0: But that's more of like, a, like again. I guess that's kind of like where the culture is now: is that we do, like other than things like Avengers Endgame, we don't get those like things that like. Not everybody goes to the like the movies one weekend. Yeah, and yeah. we all can like hover around the water cooler or at, at, if you're in school, the lunch table and talk about like oh, wasn't like. Again, I remember the last time that ever happened in high school was Spider-Man 3, where everybody, like, saw Spider-Man 3, like, that weekend.
2: Mm-hmm. And the very
0: next, like, like, that Monday, we all talked about it. Because, yeah. like, as time went on, everybody had their own interest. So, like, oh, like, did you see Insert Movie Here? No. Did you see Insert TV Show Here? No. And that's what it would be. It'd be basically just, like, it's a hodgepodge. And I think that's what happens now, where like, I it was just like the other day, I just discovered the vine meme of it's Wednesday, my dudes. Oh, okay, <laughs> I just discovered what that was. Like, I've seen that on the internet for years, yeah. And I finally just discovered that was a vine meme apparently from like five years ago,
1: yeah. That, uh, yeah, that I wouldn't have known, absolutely. But I, I think that's that's what we're getting at. Where now, today, it's you know, it's we're talking to it's it is impossible because we, I think, we said it a bunch on here. You know, today, everything needs to be bite-sized. Like, you know, you need that, you know, 11-minute episode or something. You need that, that one image of a meme. That is is what's going to stick in people's heads. I feel like today, a movie might come out, have a, a slew of great quotable lines, but nobody wants to – I don't – not – yeah, I, I think I'll just go ahead and say it. nobody wants to pay attention for that long to make that line become ubiquitous in the culture. You have all those people who are like oh, i don't want to I don't want to deal with it. that type of thing. And everybody has their own interest in it all. It's like almost the meme creators are the ones that guide what line yeah. becomes popular. Yeah. and it's it's almost like that shouldn't happen. It would be better if, you know, an actual majority got this, rather than you know this some memes like find their way into front pages of places and gain popularity just because they were posted at the right time of the day when the the site had enough traffic and things like that.
0: Yeah, and I think there also is a level of like, oh god, like subliminal authenticity. Mm-hmm. That's like that was like present in things like "I'll Be Back" and yeah. "Whoa, Whoa, We Wow." Whereas like like when Sacha Baron Cohen is writing Borat. I don't think he was writing that being like, oh, man, I can't wait for people to be screaming this for the next three months. Yeah. And when, and when Jimmy C wrote, I'll be back, he definitely wasn't thinking that. Yet yeah. The I, great
1: he, lines of history don't get written to be great lines. They become great lines because of how people react to them.
0: It's how they resonate. And, mm-hmm. and yet, again, I am Iron Man. That was written explicitly as a like rallying cry. Exactly. That's the problem. Yep. Is that like It's this, oh, God. Oh, God, what would be the correct word for it? It'd be like there's just this kind of like, oh, I don't want to say veneer, but almost like a, a fakeness to
1: it. Yeah, I, we, we talked about that in our, epi- in our episode as well. It's like that line could have been replaced by anything.
0: It didn't matter. He could have said anything. And it yep. would have been epic because it almost like it's a shame that that's what they decided on because I, ima- I can imagine how the writers meeting for that probably worked. It's like, okay. We need a moment that's going to be super Badass what do we have him say It's like how about Bing bang bang, wah wah bing bang bang, bang." No (laughs) people get mad at that because we're not taking It seriously well how about this No no that won't work because Blah 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 and like it's like I I don't know it almost would have been better If He was the one I could not make sense to an Avengers Endgame Conversation but like there's so Many other things you could have sat there plugged Into that even if it wasn't tying It back to the first movie just make it something That's appropriate for the moment like I Know like was that movie the big thing was I am Inevitable it's like it would have been made better like After we hear him complain about that be Like I don't know. think about it's like Would it be great if we see Tony Stark and Instead of saying I am Iron Man he goes Like in that great Robert Downey Jr wit, my turn and he sits there and he does like wouldn't that be a greater thing? Yeah, or, uh, because yeah. And, and you keep it simple because you can't go around screaming. Like, I think about it. like Rob said, going to the bathroom. I'll be back. You can apply that at least probably a dozen times into your life, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like you're forcing it. Exactly that's that's kind of the brilliance of it though It's kind of like whoa whoa wee wow You can walk into a room of people whether you're At your local gym you're going Into like work one morning you're Just hanging out with some friends go whoa whoa wee wow Guys and it's like oh there Goes brad again like that's like again it's the idea that You should make it so simple like and If you do fix something like Avengers Endgame Imagine him saying my turn You can apply that to anything in your life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're trying to build a birdhouse And it falls down and Then it's like and after the fifth time you just throw it on the ground It'll Be like my turn and you throw it on the ground That frustration <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah. that's kind of like if you are going to try Quote unquote to write Iconic dialogue You have to not try
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: It's this weird sort of like, like, oh God, Chinese finger trap paradox by forcing it. You're never going to make it work. It's only when you relax and ease into it that
1: you eventually crack it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah. Things, things that are incredibly famous, whether it be, you know, monetarily or pop culturally. And of course, sometimes they overlap. They aren't created to be that way. You know, mm. it, it's like the 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 books that are considered the greatest books of all time. You know, the the authors in the 1800s and 1700s, they didn't sit down and go, "Man, I'm gonna be famous forever." With this. they just wanted a paycheck or something when they were writing it. You know, they I'm pretty just wanted sure, to live their life. I'm pretty sure that's what Kurt Cobain said
0: at the very end. <laughs> Man, I'm
1: gonna be so famous.
0: I'm gonna be so famous. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, Courtney Love said that, like the Tonight Show, one like a few years ago. That was his final words. I can't wait to be so famous. I can't wait to be famous. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, but okay, enough complaining about how horrible the times we live in are.
1: Um Yeah, we have to ter- save that for this whole month, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> now come Terminator. Terminator Genesis is when that conversation will get even worse where it's like okay. does Hollywood not have a, a single ounce of like originality anymore. Um but no, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like he's he's great because I, I think like he's another one to, like at that point for the most part, nobody had ever heard of him. He was Conan, and he was oh, the guy yeah. from 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 Mister Universe. Yep, I, I don't think there's anything that hasn't already been said about him that we could add to the overall just like conversation on this film. He's mm-hmm. great, especially for like a character where he has to be so stoic.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And especially if like, I know like one of the big things that Jimmy C always likes to highlight when discussing this film is just like when he's in the, the, the squad car and he's scanning and you watch the way like his eyes move and then his head follows.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's
0: very, very robotic just in the sense yes. of like, okay, the eyes shift to the left and then the head shifts to the left and then it goes to the right and then the head follows. Like, that's great. Small little touches. Yep. And it's all It's all physical acting it's not just like it's not like an action sequence Mm
2: -hmm. it's It's
0: a small little like details being like oh like that's not how a normal person would sit there behave in this situation
1: yeah i love the even the introduction of arnold's character where he's repeating what like the thugs are saying to him like i'm like it's perfect you know it's just this thing getting used to this world it sounds weird it sounds robotic it's just it's all uh, almost perfectly done absolutely yeah, and even like how we're introduced—that's I, I another I thing that
0: nobody picks up on. The this the, the the language of storytelling. We're introduced to Arnold first because like, I think about if you're watching, let's say you're watching this movie, and back in 1984, they didn't have YouTube trailers and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. So like, you hear a story called about. It's called the Terminator. What is what happens? I don't even know what the tagline was back in '84. It's like so you're watching. You know, you're watching a science fiction film about robots. It's all you know, mm-hmm. yep. and how the film begins. Arnold sent back in time and how he is sent back in time, he's he's we see him and he's kneeling and he stands up.
1: Yeah, it just it's just he's there and he's on his mission. Yep.
0: But it's how he's like how he comes, he appears in the movie. This through this like the body language is Mm -hmm. that he appears, not just the body language, but how he's like staged and how it's choreographed. We see him, he's kneeling. It's very coordinated, and then you juxtapose that with Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese just clearly a- appears out of like thin air and fall like has like what like a five foot drop onto like concrete asphalt. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that one is very specifically being inserted into this world, and the other is being thrown into it. Yeah, they force. just fall
1: into it exactly.
0: And think about Arnold walks in. He we see him very again. Everything's very coordinated. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I keep saying coordinate. I mean, choreographed. And the way he just stands up, we see, especially just the body positioning. We just see how he gets the muscles and all that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, how he encounters the thugs. Then we have Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese gets dropped onto five. As someone who's fallen from ten feet onto asphalt, I know how badly it hurts. Mm-hmm. So you get dropped from five feet, and he—it's from the side. So he, his whole body feels that. Yeah, and he's lanky. He's malnourished. He's just really like when you think of a soldier, he's not what you think of. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and think about it, Arnold gets his clothes by beating up a bunch of thugs. Well, he murders one of the thugs. <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> And yet we have Kyle Reese that has to literally steal a pair of pants from a homeless man. Yeah. That desperation, just that again, it's that frantic desperation of like I need to I need to sit there, get dressed as fast as possible. Whereas Arnold's able to be inserted into the universe and immediately repel Mm -hmm. any obstacles or adversaries. Whereas Kyle Reese shows up and immediately has to like evade police,
1: all while getting
0: dressed, getting a weapon and all that. Yeah, it's great. It's storytelling. It's so. It's funny. It's showing and not telling, which Mm -hmm. Jimmy C would later of like devolve (laughs) into not being very good at that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was definitely thinking that same thing. It's a great. This movie's a great example of show not tell. Absolutely. Yeah. And then then when they when they do tell, it's those nice little touches that you know we've been discussing. It's awesome. Yeah. Like I love the I love the um, the uh, answering machine in Sarah Connor and what's her friend's name Ginger or something. Yeah. Like the answering machine is like. Like, hello, you've reached the answering machine. You can talk to it because machines need love, too. And I'm like, that's great. I'm like, that's an awesome little touch in this before you even know that there's really a machine war coming. Hi there. I I, I fooled you. You're talking to a machine. But don't be shy. It's okay. Machines need love, too. So talk to it. And Ginger, that's me, or Sarah, will get back to you. Wait for the beep.
0: Exactly and you even have like the line of dialogue When he's buying uh Schwarzenegger's Buying all the well, buying in quotation marks <laughs> yes. He's buying he's getting all of his Weapons from dick miller and Oh he's yeah like- and he's like plasma Rifle 734 and dick miller's Like Wh- whatever's on the shelf guy and Yeah it's like <laughs> yeah. that's great like Think about I, I remember I- for years It took me to figure that out that like oh that's one of the rifles that the Terminators use in the future.
1: Yeah, that yeah, that gun does not exist yet. Yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah, I love that. Like, that's great. That's one of those things that you're like, if you're watching this film for like the first or even like second or third time, you are not going to pick up on that.
2: Mm-hmm. hmm The 12 gauge autoloader That's Italian. You can go pump or auto.
0: The 45 long slide with laser sighting.
2: These are brand new, we just got them in. That's a good gun. You just touch the trigger, the beam comes on and you put the red dot where you want the bullet to go. You can't miss. Anything else? Phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. The Uzi nine millimeter. You know your weapons, buddy. Any one of these is ideal for home defense. So, uh, what shall it be? All. Oh. I may close early today. There's a 15 day wait on handguns, but the rifles you can take right now.
0: You can't do that. Wrong.
1: Yeah. yeah and I, I, do, I do like that. Dick Miller's in here. I totally forgot about that. One of my notes is just Dick Miller with an exclamation mark. <laughs> you can't do that. Wrong. And he gets blown away. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah, but even like, again, going to the the overall premise of this movie, that it's weird that like, I wonder how, I think, I don't know if I've ever said it on Cinemates, but I know I've said it on the Star Wars podcast, where it's like, I remember when Honest Trailers did like the thing for Robocop, the original one, when like new movie was, well, the new movie, the remake came out, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all the comments were like, this looks so fake, it doesn't make sense. And you look at like people, I wonder if you showed somebody like, I don't know, 12 years old now, like the idea of like the Terminator has to go back in time and use a phone book to locate locate a person. <laughs>
2: yeah. And
0: has to sit there, go through, literally just starting with the first one, go to the second, and then oh, process of elimination, it's the third one I have to kill. Mm-hmm. I, I again that <laughs> I wonder. So simple. I, yeah. I wonder like, would something like that be jarring? Or disenfranchising
1: to to a young audience member? Yeah, yeah, I think to some extent, possibly, but that's yeah, it's tough to say. I'm not sure. That's a good question. Though. That's
0: the weird thing. That's the weird yeah. thing. I like, I wonder. Like, as technology advances, are there certain things? You know, they're not jarring to the movie. It's the idea that oh, because people. I think about it, there's there's people now with discretionary income that have mm-hmm. never lived in a world without the internet.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And even though we technically fall into that category because there was very primitive stages of the internet in the early 90s. Like I can still remember a time when you had to like go to a newspaper to look up movie times.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the TV guide and stuff like
0: that. Yeah, like we didn't have the like yes, like we for the most of our conscious lives we had to like we had the internet at our disposal, but like we never. Re- I know Rob was torrenting out of the womb, <laughs> but it's the idea of like oh, our kids these days just going to the, not even kids, but like young people dismiss media that they cannot wrap their head around.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I could I could definitely see that. Uh, not as maybe not as a whole or a majority, but. Okay, maybe a majority, but people definitely seeing that way. I absolutely, yeah, I think I, I've even experienced it with people that are, you know, around our age too, and they just dismiss things that they. It's not that they don't understand it; it's that they think it's so beneath them or something. They
0: find they find things like things that are that use like antiquated technology, don't deserve the time of day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's why I find um, kind of fascinating with this because like, I know. You don't like, especially with like obviously Terminator Genesis, and to a lesser extent Salvation. Is like these are not franchises for like young. Like they're not trying to get the youngins on board. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's so like I don't want to say interesting or but more maybe it's more baffling. It's the idea of like oh. Like I, I know, it's in the Star Wars Facebook group where, like, one of our uh, members in there is like a school teacher, and he asked like all the students. I think it was last summer. What was your favorite oh, yeah. movie? And Mission Impossible Fallout was like number one. And I'm like to a bunch of I cannot fathom a bunch of seventh graders thinking the sixth Tom Cruise <laughs> Mission Impossible movie is the, in a movie with or uh, in a summer with Infinity War. Yeah, um, The Incredibles two. Um Wales was out last summer. I cannot imagine that being like, oh, that was my favorite film. Cause it's not that I want to say those movies are antiquated, they're action movies. Mm-hmm. But it just seems so oh god, small scale
1: yeah, yeah.
0: compared to like everything else what's what's deemed popular.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that always it's always been interesting to me as well.
0: And that's and even though we're gonna like delve into term again. Maybe, maybe not, depending on like how Terminator: Dark Fate turns out. But it's the idea that like, oh, you have this like futuristic movie series about like like oh god, an evil machine being sent from the future to kill you in the present, and yet youngins, and by youngins I mean basically anybody under the age of thirty, don't, don't for the most part care.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, how I do you know. how do you hook that audience or something that's been you know revamped and reworked so many times that isn't, like you said, you know, something that's really hooking them, that age group type of thing. It's more like the um, you know, it's it's kind of like how I got into it, I think of it. You have a parent that's like, oh, the Terminator movies, they were great. I don't know how many they made at this point, but I'll take my kid to go see it, that type of thing. But that's not for the kid. Like, I can't imagine yeah. any of the kids going, oh, well, this time travel movie, it's going to get, when they hear time travel and, you know, things getting sent back to the past, to the future, They're just going to be like, I'm used to it. You know, I've seen it like Avengers did it. Rick and Morty maybe did it. I don't know whatever whatever else they're watching where they're like, oh, I've seen it before. And they're it's they're not getting like excited about it. Not that they should, but it's like a reason for them to just immediately kind of, you know, disregard it.
0: Yeah, I wonder also if it's too that, like, considering the younger generations are so attached to young tech, like, are attached to technology. I wonder if the notion of like technology being malevolent is just like incomprehensible. Mm. Like technology, like again, I have my phone up my ass. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. oh, the techno- I, the technology loves me. I love it. It'll never hurt me.
1: Yeah, and the idea
0: yeah. of like, oh, malevolent technology that that's just like it's unfathomable
1: that's a good point that's a good point it could be you know where it's like you know oh it's all those all those people you know of course we're talking about the younger generations um you know they're on their phone all the time and they're just like the only bad thing technology does to me is like sell my data and what's so bad about that you know they don't get the concept of of anything else like turning against you or type of thing yeah like like i think the whole premise you know of of Skynet and, and Cyberdyne and the Terminator things is like they created a defense system and the defense system realized humans were their biggest enemy. So they had to kill all the humans. And I I think now you're absolutely right where people would hear this and be like, what that's stupid. Like you could just like program it not to do that, you know? And it's like that that's defeating the purpose.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the weird thing too, is that like, I wonder like how much, I think that's the thing that scares me about Terminator dark fate is it like, are they going to make like the only thing I can think of though Is Are they going to try to morph the Skynet thing into like people being like the enemy into like some sort of weird like environmental message
2: Mm, thing? Are they going to
0: morph into like Skynet like no longer will use nuclear bombs, but they're going to wipe the humans out through like a one-to-one like means? Like that's something I'm afraid of though. Are they going to try to appeal to people in that sense being like, oh – like especially like when this movie was being made it was still the cold war the idea of like nuclear holocaust was you know it wasn't as real as an idea as it was back like during like the 60s and 70s it was like oh it was still like an idea out there
1: yeah yeah
0: and i wonder if like now that like those fears have been kind of like aren't really pertinent anymore i wonder if the new thing now is like okay we're gonna shove some sort of environmental message into this that's being a, yeah, like oh yeah. skynet realized that the greatest threat to mankind wasn't like an opposing like nation it was like mankind's like thing to the like to mother nature yeah and i'm yeah. like is that what we're gonna like in considering that like someone like jimmy c does buy into like a narrative
1: like that jeez and this all just Hollywood, sounds like it's turning into the happening with mark Wahlberg. <laughs> well at least that that's
0: like at least you make making into a comedy that i could get by.
1: yeah <laughs> we need spencer breslin to get blown away <laughs> are you
0: stealing from me what no <laughs> oh boy but, um, yeah no terminator uh i don't know what i think we've kind of delved into a lot with this i'm trying to think is there anything else that you have that you want to highlight i have a couple more things though but they're kind of just more uh,
1: beats other than like
0: full talking
1: points yeah i think i had some beats and stuff like that I, I think the longest one of them is i did want to um mention paul winfield i love paul winfield he's a lieutenant um i think uh he's probably that zach would know him best maybe he's um the voice of uh, Lucius Sweet from The Simpsons, the Don King parody. <laughs> uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And he actually like played Don King in one of the biopics or something like that. So I think that's why The Simpsons picked him up. But I love a scene really early on where Paul Winfield is like being handed documents from another detective or something like that. And Paul Winfield says something like, what do we got here? And he looks at the picture and the guy's like, oh, another dead girl. And Paul says... I can see it's a dead girl. And then the detective, like they do the walk and talk, and the detective keeps saying like very obvious things, like it's an exposition dump in the movie. And at the end of the exposition dump, Paul Winfield takes his glasses off, points at them and goes, these work, you know.
2: Ed. What do you got? Dead girl. I can see that. Sarah Ann Connor, secretary, 35, shot six times at less than 10 feet. Large caliber weapon. You know, these work.
1: Like, I love that little... Where, like, the a character in the movie was like, why are you telling me useless expository dialogue? And I, I love that little kind of shout-out.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's, that's not so... It's funny. There's a lot of fun characters in this that just kind of get overlooked because of just everything else going on in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love some of the lines from um, Sil- Dr. Silberman, where he's like... He's like, this guy's great. I could make a career out of this. And, and, you know, uh, Sarah Connor's like, but is he crazy? And he's like, in technical terminology, he's a loon. <laughs> yeah. Even like with Lance Henriksen, cause even he had some like fun little banter. Like
0: you said, originally he's the one that, um, he's talking to. He's like, eventually he says the line oh, about yep. the glasses. Hmm. No, like I said, that's great. Even some of the, Oh God, like you have again, Dick Miller, the Dick Miller thing is always fun. Yep
1: arnold us, j- choosing his response when the, the like the yeah. landlord or whatever it's like possible responses and he picks fuck you asshole <laughs> like that's oh, great yeah.
0: well even like you have the diner like at the very beginning or the the, the hamburger joint mm-hmm. where she's working and you see her kind of like being flustered by like all the customers like she sits there like like someone's like miss can we have more coffee and it's like oh great who had like the toasted like the toasted rye well, I wanted the toasted rye but without butter. Well, who wanted yeah. to, like the, the shish kebab? This then, like the kid, and possibly the greatest scene of all time: the kid who takes like a scoop of like gelato <laughs> or like a sherbet and drops it into her like apron, apron or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I love that you hear the table that she's waiting on. Go, good job, kid. Maybe next time I'll give you the tip.
2: Nice going, kid. How to give you the tip?
1: Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's- <laughs> It's great. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like it's the
0: small things. Like it's so sad to get overlooked because, like, there's only so much oxygen in the room. And that, mm-hmm. unfortunately, mm-hmm. It, and Arnold and the special effects take up most of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I guess, I guess, speaking of the special effects, I did want to point out um, there. there's only a few scenes in this film where we get uh, Terminator vision, right? Like there's three or yeah. four, maybe, and they're pretty quick. And, you know, I, I had nothing against Terminator vision. You know, old school effects, it's great. But there's one of the last times I think when he gets Arnold gets to the motel and like the dogs barking yeah. at him after he tells the store Kyle Reese is like we use dogs to detect terminators another nice small touch but when it goes to terminator vision with the dog I was watching terminator vision and at like the top of the screen is text is you know cascading down type of thing appearing and disappearing it says it shows the words key perfect 4.0 and key perfect 4.0 is very very old actual computer stuff So I spent the time to look into what is Terminator Vision? Like, what are we seeing? And apparently it's a a combination of Key Perfect 4.0 code, COBOL code, and source code for the Apple II computer. Oh, wow, okay. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And and other people looked into this. There's like a neat little kind of YouTube, six-minute YouTube video of someone, like, describing all this stuff and how, like, Jimmy C was able to get source code for an Apple computer in this movie and stuff. And it was really neat. And I was like, oh, that's a nice little kind of touch where they they used, like, actual computer code for, like, swapping RAM on the Apple II and stuff like that. Because, you know, it fits. It, you just need text on the screen when you have Terminator vision. But that little dive deeper is it's not just, you know, yeah, whatever you got. You know, have your kid do something in crayon. That'll work. It's like actual thought was put into it. So the smallest of the small touches, they work on every layer. Yeah. Because, again, we take it for granted nowadays, though,
0: but can we imagine, it. has that ever happened prior to that? Having, like, a sort of like a heads-up display for yeah, a oh, uh, machine yeah, I character?
1: Know. I don't think so. Not, not that I'm familiar with. So this could have been w- one of the first. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what I mean. We kind of take that stuff for granted nowadays. But, like, again, a very small thing in this film that gets overlooked because everything else is just so gr- grandiose.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think the, the other l- little touch I wanted to point out was um, I love – when uh, they go into the—I think it's, it's a flash-forward. Kyle Reese is talking about, like, where the humans live and stuff like that. And before the other Terminator, like, gets in and kills a bunch of humans and, like, the picture of Sarah Connor gets burnt, there's just the the establishing shots. And there's this really great shot that I absolutely loved where, like, people are trying to keep warm around a fire, but the fire is burning— in a hollowed out TV. It's like you yep. if you were watching a, like a CRT TV monitor, but everything was gutted from it and there's just a little fire inside. I loved the imagery of that and uh, you know like the the deprecation of machines in this future to become like we need to gut them type of thing for our living space because it's it's such a dynamic of that they're mm-hmm. they like hate them type of thing. And plus the imagery of you know you're watching a TV and there's just a fire burning, like there's nothing to gain from it. I think that's, you know, uh, nice to see as well, where it's like, you know, you're watching anything, but are you, are you really doing anything other than staying warm and killing time? So great. It works on all those levels.
0: Yeah, I think, it, I think it's also there, because I love that scene. Again, I love all the future sequences, like the future sequences mm, yep. don't get enough credit. And it's just the kind of like, I don't want to say the like depravity, but kind of just like the the squalor, like yeah. it is, it's, it's living hell. There's, there's, it's the future but there's no future to it. Exactly. And that's kind of like, yeah, especially you look at that, though. And Kyle Reese and all of them are fighting for, like again, a future. Because you look at it, though, and there's a little bit of conflicting information that eventually happens with this in Terminator Salvation. Okay. But it's the idea that, like, you live in a world and there's no sun. It's just, like, it's, it's eternal darkness. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's like, oh, I think he even says, like, I think he says to Sarah, like, oh, like, we can't go out during the day. Because they'll spot us too easily.
2: Yeah. So we have to
0: mostly kind of like traverse the terrain at like night. So we know, obviously, you would assume there's a daytime there. And obviously, it's all being, the special effects things are all done at night because it's easier to hide things in the shadows.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure.
0: But no, like, even like designs of that, you have like the flying hunter killer, the tank hunter killer, and the fact that just like you watch them like like traverse this like terrain. And Kyle Reese has this little like female companion, which is really, you know, she gets obliterated. She gets what, uh, uh, what? If, oh God! It would be vaporized.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah. Cloud even, of dust. A cloud of yeah. blood. She turns into.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's just the whole idea that like they're kind of like going across the battlefield with their little like bomb canisters, and they have to get into position and just kind of wait for this thing to like reach a mark, toss yep. their things. And the moment she gets like he tosses his, it goes right under the the treads. She tosses it and it spots her and again vaporizes her immediately and just kind of like the grimace on his face. That, like, we know he's seen this numerous times, and it's just the whole idea of there goes another one, yeah. And the fact yeah. that it's also, it also seems like again, yeah, I don't know for certain, I didn't look up the act, the uh, the credits for this though, but it seems to be a rather young woman. It's not, it, it, she mm-hmm. has a very youthful, almost like a baby face,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. I would agree. And,
0: it, and it's the idea that, like, oh, and that's what, okay. And this, I know you probably not correct to say these sort of things, but like back in the day to have such a young woman fighting in that sort of position would kind of show like humanity is at its last straw. It's oh, the idea that yeah. now, now that we have to, not that we have to use somebody like that though, but it's the idea that like, okay, there's not enough men.
1: Yes. Everybody it's, counts. Yeah.
0: It's like, we have somebody who's a, a able body willing to fight. We need to use them. Yeah. And, that, yeah, and that, that's, yeah. And that's what it used to be, was that, again, it was the whole idea that, not, again, in today's day and age, that sort of notion doesn't fly, and I would imagine even back then, Jimmy C probably would have said, nope, nope, strong female female character, and that's fine, again, interpretation's interpretation, but I would imagine probably, it was probably originally thought of, like, the idea, like, okay, mankind's at its last straw, Mm -hmm. we need, like you said, we need everybody, all hands on deck, we cannot be picky, somebody
1: wants to fight, give them a gun, put them out there. Yeah, I, I, that's a great point, and I agree with you. I didn't think about it that way, because I think it's done very nicely and subtly in yeah. The Terminator. But when you're explaining it, I totally agree. It makes me think of, you know, uh, Paul Verhoeven and the co-ed locker rooms and, like, Starship Troopers and stuff, where it was like, this is, this is just what humans have to do. We need all the bodies we can get, and it's just for that purpose. So, yeah, right on.
0: Yeah. That's what it is. Like I said, I don't again, I don't think it's meant to be demeaning to anybody. It's just the whole idea that, especially considering how young she is, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, somebody that young should be sitting there, I don't want to say making making sandwiches in the kitchen. That's not true at all. It's just the whole idea when you think of like youth, it's yes, just like such, yeah. a, such a such a a uh, again, a full face. Or not a full face, but again, a youthful face. When you see such yeah. a youthful face, it's the idea that, like that that should be preserved. That shouldn't be in the, the grime of fighting these machines exactly
1: yeah especially when you know they're they're not only trying to beat the machines but you know keep humanity alive absolutely yeah. yep
0: yeah, great, great well great world building it's cool it also gets a nice layer too that is a again a strong female character if it was any other filmmaker they could have very easily put another man in there and mm-hmm. not much mm-hmm. could have been lost but no but it adds another layer to the film it's cool it's neat yeah. i dig it Um, But yeah going to like even like the future Scene the other future really the other Major future scene of him Like in the trenches and it gets uh, infiltrated By the Terminator even that's great Like when we first see him going there like they they, Two kids catch a rat and it's like the Greatest thing they find this like
1: yeah they're Excited yeah yeah,
0: supper and he Walks through and even how like we see Kyle Reese and he has a little girl like shooting at Shooting at him with like her finger going pow pow He takes Mm -hmm. the gun just like like, And and I think it's the only time in the film that he Kind of like smiles or shows any sort of just like relaxed nature Yeah, And he points it at her And I, I think it's also fascinating too is That like we see him And he like he's walking through there And thought that you expect him to have like an apartment Or even a cubby hole He just goes to like an open like position And just starts to kind of like I don't think he lays down He kind of just sits down
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: that's his area He doesn't even have an area Like his area Like in the future You don't have an area You just yep. have like an open space That nobody else is sleeping on exactly again yeah, it just shows you like the state of humanity without like laying it out Hmm. yeah it's great yeah and then like even i love it it's a small touch um when we see him like in, like walking down into that like that trench and they had to like they, they check him they're like he has to give some like once he stick his gun through the nozzle or something no
1: yeah he has I, to show i think he has to show his gun and give and give his like um sergeant number or something yeah. like that yeah
0: Yeah you have that though and I love that You look at his costume and It looks like it's made up of like Moving pads Mm -hmm. Like like those moving pads you use for like large Pieces of furniture and I was Looking at that and I'm like oh Did they use that because it was The cheapest sort of like think about it Like they didn't have a lot of money they needed to give Him an outfit Like or like a futuristic soldier outfit But at the same time I was thinking Oh in the future Clearly, the first thing Skynet would have done was like dis- not destroyed like armories. That would have been one of the first things they targeted. Mm-hmm. So, like, was the only sort of like armor around for like makeshift armor was like using like
1: moving pads? Yeah, that was just what they had left to work with. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I love that kind of like ambi- ambiguity, yeah,
1: ambiguity of it all. Yep, absolutely, where it's
0: like, oh, was it a production choice because it was cost effective? Or was it being used as a creative one, and then when you have that debate, it doesn't really matter because it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It doesn't matter if if it was cost effective as long as it makes sense creatively. Exactly. But uh, no, those again, especially even like um, I guess you know another really element of this I really do want to highlight on is the uh, the music. I think oh, like yeah. I know the Terminator they've kind of, it's funny, they've moved away from it a lot in, in recent movies. Like I think in all of Terminator Genesis, you only get like it's at the very end. It's either salvation maybe it's only salvation, I'm not sure. The only time you hear bum bump bump bum bump. Bum, bum, in Terminator salvation is like at the credits. That's oh, it. Okay. They don't That's... use it at all in any other part of the movie. And yeah. even in ter- and even in Terminator 3, I think it's used rather sparingly. I forget. I've only seen Genesis twice, so I don't remember exactly how many times it's used mm-hmm. in that. Um, but even like like it's different because the the bump bump bum bump, the one that everybody thinks of is mostly from Terminator 2.
1: Okay. Like
0: that really hard, but like it's almost like metal yeah. playing. Ba-bum bum ba bum 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 bump. <laughs> back.
1: It's got that punchiness to it. Yep.
0: In this, it's much more melodic. And well, I I know I played it in last week's episode, teasing what this entire series was going to be about though, but we'll play a couple like pieces of it here. Is that there is much more of like almost like a melody to it? <t oboral man> yeah, <tricans> it's a,
1: it, it's, a, it's <validated> something like a a true theme. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's not just like again. It's more there's more soul to it. Yes. Whereas th- the the one that's used for Terminator Two is much more again. It's just, it's very hard sounding.
1: Mm-hmm. That's more of a sting rather than a yeah, theme. Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, a yeah sting versus a theme, and that's where it is. I I love that. Like I love that theme so much. Because even like because I don't I only have the DVD for this, and we'll explain why I've never upgraded this to Blu-ray <laughs> in next week's episode. Okay. Um, but no, like in the beginning, like when you put the DVD in, it's a DVD menu. Back when they actually put a little bit of thought into DVD menus, before <laughs> like nowadays it's just like a blank screen. It has like the movie poster and it says like play scene oh, selection.
1: God. Yeah, the like, static uh, images. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like back, like this one was like they actually. Maybe, maybe I'll be able to like insert some of the audio here too. But like, it's so cool because like how it begins with it's like see, like it's like it's like an animated menus what they used to call it back like in the early two thousands and like it zooms in like going within the Skynet factory and it's like CRS model one oh one. Terminator, and like you hear like the the like the like the more the melody theme of the, of the movie over like different like machine whirring sounds, and it'll, like, every nice. once in a while it'll chime in with a CRS model one oh one, and it's great. Like you have like that synthetic voice combined with the movie. almost like it's almost like a romantic theme almost because there's even part again i'm not the music person here so i'm gonna do a horrible time or have a horrible time of explaining it but like even toward the it's like the, i have the the full theme on my phone and even toward the end of it there's like this weird almost like when it starts to like fade out it had like this weird sort of almost like clearly synth it's a synth Element mm-hmm. but like a mm-hmm. synth element of Like a hum almost and it's like you go Ba da da then it's like like mm, it this weird like hum to sure. it yeah. It's really like it's funny for like a movie About two people Who come back in time one being a robot One being a man pr- to protect The mother of the only Hope of mankind and to have this Almost like romantic Theme but it's almost like Again it's, it's it has elements of the Again it has that sting of the ba bump bump ba bump. But it also has a very has a soulful romantic element to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I think it's um. I know in like in the bonus features for this in the DVD, they're talking to the composer of this, uh, Brad Fidel, I think his name is, and he's like, oh, when Jimmy C was like explaining the plot of the movie to me, he's like, oh yeah, right, this is gonna be like some Roger Corman schlock, and he's like, oh, I was watching the movie. And it made a lot of like it, it, it. really did click what the movie was about. What he was telling me, mm-hmm. and he goes like, "Oh, originally I had this much more like kind of like punchier, epic, grandiose theme for the movie." And Jimmy C's like, "No, that's awful. That's not what this movie's about." He's like, "Oh, so I really had to like scale back what I was envisioning for this, how it would sound, into what we got, what eventually came to pass." Right
1: on. Yeah I, yeah, I agree with you. That ending, I do like the theme. Of course, I haven't. You know, rewatched Terminator 2 for our next next week's discussion yet, but I'll keep an eye out with that with the music. But that was something that definitely surprised me, um, you know, because I I hadn't seen this in so long and I forgot about it. But, yeah, that kind of the harmonics of it give it more of that romantic feel than just the a lot of the horror elements that we've been discussing as well. It blends so, so fantastically.
0: Yeah, because there's even one element of this that, like, we've kind of, like, slightly touched upon,
1: is the romance. Like, mm-hmm. this is also a
0: pseudo-romance film.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it it's it all just kind of melds together into its own thing, you know? It's like, I'm sure I've said it before, you know, it's like there's certain foods where when it all comes together, you don't just taste the ingredients, you taste this new food. And that's what this is. It's like this weird blend of action, horror, suspense, romance. Uh, science you know, fiction. Science fiction at all. It all comes together to Act, be its own action. thing. Yeah,
0: it really is. Like it's funny. Like you look at this movie, and there's like you look at it, and like it, I would imagine like trying to like read this on paper and being like, this is like it's nothing short of a miracle that this film works.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And never mind that it, it works; it excels at everything it does. And that's not just the story. Like we've talked about a few movies on cinema where we'll be like, oh, like the story's there but the performances really don't do it any favors yep. or vice versa. And yet you look at this and yet everything is fire. Like every element is firing on all cylinders. And that's just like, there's not. nothing short of amazing. And like you said, this movie is like a blend of not just like one or two genres. It's a blend of like five
1: or six. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, this really is. It's, it's, it, I get it. Like people do like to compare Terminator versus Terminator two being like, which is better. Um, for the most part, it's like, everyone agrees Terminator 2 is a better film, but I don't even think you can compare the two because they're both trying. It's funny as similar as they are in the sense of like time travel robot movies, mm-hmm. they are so, like thematically they are, they couldn't be any more different.
1: Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I haven't seen either. I have not seen either of these in a long, long time, but I'm excited now to get to start from kind of the beginning and watch this next one and and see, how uh, how they compare? Because I'm, I'm with I'm with you. I totally think that you know they should not be uh, really put in the same not canon, but you know same um, category. Also, they are, yeah. they are they're they're almost separate movies where they're just they share the the concept and the name, if anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like what goes on periodically This one happens a lot more than the Terminator one Where like, people will compare like alien Aliens oh,
2: And they'll okay. be
0: like, people all the time are like Because for, like, for a while, everybody considered Aliens to be the superior film mm-hmm. And then like, and, and again, in the last Like few years it became a big thing being like, no Aliens a better film, like J- Jimmy C Kind of like watered down like what the aliens were Like they could be, not that they could be Easily stopped, but for the most part they The aliens became beatable yeah, like you require like an insane amount of coordination and resources, but you could beat the aliens if you, if mm-hmm. you tried hard enough. And they're like, no, aliens the, the better movie of the two. And it's the same thing. Alien is a is a horror film with a lot of sci-fi dressing. Definitely. Aliens is an action adventure film with a lot of science fiction thrown in.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's a good way to put and it. And that's and that's what it is. That's what essentially what it is,
0: where Terminator 2 is more or less an action movie with some science fiction elements thrown in. This is a horror thriller film with science fiction kind of drizzled on top of it. Yeah, yeah, right on. Now I think it's I think it's so misguided to be like other than this like debating like which one you like more. There's no reason to sit there and decide which is better than the other.
1: Yeah, that's like asking the question of which genre is better than the other. And it's like, no, you don't rank them that way. It's like what do you prefer type of thing.
0: Exactly. It's it's a matter of like, of course. We all have our favorites. Like you can't mm-hmm. deny it. if somebody says like, "Oh, I like Terminator 2 more than 1." You can't tell them you're wrong. But to say, like, oh, one is objectively better than the other yeah. is horrible. Like you could say Terminator 2 is better than Terminator 4. Like You could very easily say that because both are kind of playing within the same arena. Mm-hmm. But for two films, they are just so – are thematically so different from one another.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you
0: can't do that.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think.
0: Anything else? Um,
1: I think I do have to mention uh, okay. there's a scene at the end. Uh, I do have – I think all the other beats I have will relate to our Snacks. But the scene at the end where um, Linda Hamilton is, like, running from Arnold Schwarzenegger as he's driving the tanker, like, to run mm. her over type of thing. And he drives up on the sidewalk and, like, starts knocking stuff over. Could only think one thing, Zach.
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we agreed no more discussion of the fort month. Breaks.
1: Hey, that that that's the one thing that's gonna have oh, to live geez. on because every time I see someone drive up on a sidewalk, I'm gonna think that.
0: <laughs> oh man! <laughs> imagine if that guy that got chased out of uh, the the cabin. Imagine if he said that to Arnold.
2: Break, oh. <laughs> <Breaks. laughs>
0: That's good. Uh, okay. One final thing. I think this is it. Anything else? Is it like you see how the movie ends with where she crushes the Terminator? Hmm. And she, I get, the arm is there, and the arm plays a very big role in the second film.
1: Okay. And, oh, but, with uh, Miles Dyson,
0: right? Yes, with yes, with uh, oh god, what was his name from Justice League? whatever cyborg dad cyborg's dad yes <laughs> cyborg senior <laughs> cyborg senior bingo um there's a there's a deleted scene at the end of this where like uh, kyle reese is being put in the body bag linda hamilton's being wheeled into the ambulance that we see that happen instead of it cutting off as it does in the movie the camera pans out and goes upwards and we see the name of the facility and it's cyberdyne oh
1: interesting okay. and it's cyberdyne
0: written on the side of the building
1: mm-hmm Gotcha. Well, and, he wow. cut,
0: and he cut that out.
1: Okay. What you, okay.
0: How would you think if you were watching that movie and you saw that now? Because that means clearly Jimmy C had the idea for the sequel all along.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because now I would, and, and, like, watching it now, if it had that, I'd be like, oh, that's our setup to keep things going. But maybe he did it because he realized he didn't need that type of setup. Because I know, like, Cyberdyne is mentioned in Dialogue by oh, Kyle yeah. Reese earlier. So maybe he thought that was enough. It didn't need that kind of, like, big setup for the next one.
0: But that's why I think, but I don't know, though. Because, like, at this point, Jimmy C only made made one other film. That was on Piranha 2. And he got, like, chased chased out of, like, the editing bay. And it's the idea, like, I would imagine, like, any, like, genuine first-time filmmaker making, like, his own, like, project. He couldn't imagine, like, the idea of, like, think about sequels were still a rare thing at that time. The mm-hmm. only thing that got sequels were like Star Wars. Like you had to real or like you really big, like big films.
1: Yeah, yeah, Shaw's
0: got a sequel. Star Wars got a sequel. and that was kind of it. Six million dollar films that were kind of like more or less not again not indie because Orion Pictures was a, a studio at that time. But that sort of thing didn't really happen. Oh, so okay. i wonder I, I wonder why, like he would have cut that out. Hmm. Like yes. The argument can be made that it's like superfluous because, like, by the end of the film with like the epilogue of Sarah Connor, you get that like, oh, like again, and especially when I mean, we talk about the the real ending of this, where like the little kids like yelling something, and she's like, "What do you say?" Yeah. And like the the, the gas store, the gas attendant or owner of the shops, like he says, "There's a storm coming," and she's like, "I know," yep. and that's a great thing too. See, the final shot of the movie is her riding into the storm, and I guess that is a lot like again. It's subtle. It's extremely nuanced. Yeah. And yeah. I love, like I said, that's I, maybe he did have that kind of call. Where he's like, okay, maybe hitting the audience over the head with the idea of like, Oh, all roads are trending to this direction. Mm-hmm. And even though Kyle Reese is the one who gives her the savior, he's also responsible for leading the world down this path.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I think it plays into what we were discussing earlier with the idea of like Kyle Reese is there not to save humanity, but save the hope for humanity. So by the end of the movie, we know that more stuff has to happen.
0: Yeah. And I think that's also cool too, that it's an idea that like people's like used to, and we'll delve into this, especially with Terminators three, four and five is that people like, I like get mad at those films for even existing being like, no, they stop judgment day from happening. And, I, and I've always assumed the idea, and even though this is like said explicitly in Terminator three is mm-hmm. that judgment day is inevitable. Yep. And that's always what I assumed. The whole idea was like, and again, this is why, again, spoiler alert for like the future of the series is like, I think Terminator 3 is maybe, I don't want to say best, because like I've said before, best doesn't mean anything. I think it's my favorite of the entire okay. series because it's the idea that like the Terminator franchise, again, Judgment Day is inevitable. Mm-hmm. That will, like, the future will always happen. It's because it's, yeah. it's kind of like it's weird. As much as Avengers Endgame attacks Terminator, it's the idea like the future is. I, you, I think you even said it. It's like, oh, Kyle Reese has like flash forwards, and it's like, no, they're flashbacks. They're flashbacks to hit, to the future, but mm-hmm, at that mm-hmm. point, it's in his past, which is yep. very. It's funny. James Cameron's able to explain that idea Visually whereas Avengers Endgame (laughs) Stops the film in its tracks Like five (laughs) times to explain it It makes no sense every single time It's the idea like oh Your future can also be your past I get that And it also doesn't like break uh, Oh god relativity It doesn't break the law of relativity Like oh things I do in the past will affect my future Mm -hmm, Things I do mm -hmm. now will affect what happens Ahead of me Um but yeah, I, I think that the idea that like Judgment Day is inevitable and the whole idea is like the Terminator franchise is about surviving.
1: Yes. yeah, It's,
0: ne- it's never about
1: beating Skynet. It's about yeah.
0: this surviving it.
1: Yeah, it's and, about the chance for humanity to correct their mistakes. Yeah. Like, like we've been saying, it, it's firmly, though, sta- taking the stance that humanity unchecked will be its own downfall. We just need to have hope that they can recuperate them, themselves and the species after that downfall.
0: Yeah. And that's what makes it so weird that like the theme of this movie, like you said, is the idea of like uh, uh preserving the hope for mankind,
1: mm-hmm. not
0: averting dystopia I like uh oh Lord, the world coming to an end.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yet the second film is all about stopping the future.
1: Okay, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> There's no fate but what we create create for ourselves. And I found such a weird sort. Of, again, we'll delve into that more next week. But there mm-hmm. is that weird sort of just like friction there. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like the bad thing has to happen because think about it, even though this is where you get into the thing with Terminator and like time travel, which isn't really important though. But if they stop Skynet from ever coming, guess what? Kyle Reese isn't sent back in time. Mm-hmm. John Carter isn't born. Skynet is able to create itself. Like Judgment Day has to happen. It's a loop. It has to happen in order for the world to correct itself from it.
1: Exactly. Yep. And
0: that's why I never understood the people that attacked the sheer existence of three, four, and five. Well, five is its own thing, but more three and four. Sure, sure, understandable. Yeah. Well, like I said, we'll delve more into that because I do think three is pro- three is much more is a much better film than people give it credit for, okay, despite okay. some of the like the derivative
1: nature of the film and some of the wonky acting in it. Okay. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm. After this conversation, I'm even more excited to dive back into these because I have never seen four and five, two and three. I've seen a long time ago. So yeah, it'll be good to to like I said, go through it this way, folks. Next week's gonna be like a twelve hour long episode as I explain <laughs> to you my context with Terminator.
0: Three is gonna be basically like a three hour diatribe into why people don't deserve Terminator three, and then four and five, I have so little say about them. They're gonna be condensed <laughs> into
1: one episode. Can't wait till I get to watch all these directors' cuts.
0: <laughs> I'm scared to see what the Terminator 5 director's cut looks like.
1: Oh god. Hopefully they just edit Amelia Clark out.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the only thing I can hope for.
0: <laughs> She's oh god, if you if you dislike her before, you're really gonna dislike her after this. Does the Cinema audience know about your disdain for Amelia Clark?
1: I think just in, in passing, which been mentioned here and there. I've never gone on the full explanation like I did in the solo episode on Knights of Vader. But I'm I'm glad we get to see her in Terminator 5, because I think that's where it's really going to shine.
0: Oh, God, yes. Yeah, because I have uh,
1: even more to talk about now with how much people hated her and her character in the last season of Game of Thrones. So the 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 fire's getting fueled. <laughs>
0: oh, boy. Yeah, that's good. I don't blame her for Terminator 5, but, like, she was severely miscast. Severe. Like, I cannot think... Of another, like, miscasting is bad. And the worst... Sure. Oh, God. There's there's one part in that which might be one of the worst things ever. (laughs) Um, They actually recreate... And I can't believe they did this. I really can't. We know in this movie there's the photograph of Sarah Connor. Oh, yeah. Of her, like, at the end of the movie being taken. Kyle Reese has it and we see it get, like, uh, incinerated by the fire. And there's a point in Terminator Genesis where... Jai Courtney, John Con- no, um Kyle Reese has the picture. It's the exact same picture, except it's Amelia Clark done oh, up the exact same way. Oh and it, it might be one of the most like if it weren't so embarrassing. It might be one of the most laugh out loud moments in cinematic history. <laughs> right like on. it's like it's embarrassing. Like if I like I can imagine like when she saw that like in like at the premiere, she probably had the exact same reaction she had when somebody asked her about like the last season of Game of Thrones. So like so what do you think about season eight? And she's like best season ever. We're like she's like <laughs> so like embarrassed.
1: You can see the teeth being grit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Like it's that it's that same level, just like sheer embarrassment.
1: Yeah, like, okay,
0: it's funny. It's funny. Okay. I don't think Amelia Clark is bad, but, like, Hollywood does not know what to do with her.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would, I will get into that, of course. But I, <laughs> I like that. how you said she, Uh, I think on her headshots, you know, when, when it's like she sends her headshots out and other people, you know, maybe look into them, somewhere on the headshot it says, like, you know, severely miscast for everything. <laughs> that's, I, I think that's the perfect way to put it. She's been severely miscast in everything she's ever been in.
0: Well, there was that. There was one movie I heard about her that she was in. Um, oh, God. She's with the guy, I think, Sam Claflin. It's a, it's, a, it's, like a romant, it's not a romantic comedy, but it's like a, a drama romance. And I've heard she's pretty good in that. Is that the one not, where
1: the dude's in the wheelchair and she's like showing him how to have a good life while he's in a wheelchair? That one? I, yeah, I think so. Okay, I, I didn't ver- see that one.
0: I've heard she's pretty good in that. Because, like, it's, it's again, not that it's a low-key role, but she's not being asked to be like the greatest
1: female character of all time. Mm, okay, okay. Like I have seen Voices from the Stone, where she's like the lead character in it, and I thought that was like terrible. Uh, <laughs> like I, thought okay, she was I don't know, horrendous in that.
0: No, I I really liked her in Solo. The more and more I w- rewatch Solo, I definitely think she's a, like she's a really good character in that. Cuz cuz she, she's not being asked to be like this like again, this super powerful like like female empowerment symbol. And yeah. I think and clearly they cast her as Sarah Connor because of her role in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, who's the Sarah Connor of the modern age?" Daenerys is. And it's like no, it's not it's not the same thing. Like it's it's Linda Hamilton Sarah Connor is a very different
1: beast. God yeah, than, I would like, take
0: Daenerys any, Ted Jaren.
1: I would Ted take Green. anybody else from Game of Thrones to play Sarah Connor. Like Lena Headey would have done a better job. No, but remember Hell, I be, like fucking Nikolai Custer Waldo would have done a better job as <laughs> Sarah Connor. Osiris? Yes, oh, yeah, it? there you go. Is that, yes. was that his
0: character in Gods of Egypt, Osiris?
1: I think. So. So, or was he Horace? Horace, Horace, excuse okay, me. Okay, yeah. He was somebody in that movie. He, he, was, he was one <laughs> Gerard, of the Gerard. He
0: was Gerard Butler in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Gerard Butler doing the Scottish accent would have been better in that yes. movie than Sarah Connor.
1: Right on. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see it and uh, and hate on it. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Terminator <laughs> Genesis.
0: It has some, has some plus sides, though, but overall, it's... Uh, I don't know, I haven't watched that movie in a few years,
1: so it'll be fun Tweet to see in what three weeks from now, yeah, three weeks, three weeks from now.
0: <laughs> 17 hours of conversation later
1: yes perfect
0: <laughs> all right rob cinemani you know what do let's let's delve into the snacks
1: first we haven't done that in a while yeah okay well um since we're starting this series from scratch i think it's a good good opportunity especially with one of the first things I want to pitch is that to remind everybody that Zach and I are co-owners of a restaurant. The restaurant is indescribably proportionate. Um, It's very large. There's many musical acts. There's uh, a lot of cacophony going on. Table 37. It's a quite a hectic place, but every week we like to see how we can expand this restaurant uh, based on what we watched. So... For the snacks this week coming from the Terminer, like Terminator, like I said, I wanted to start with something that isn't a snack. I do have a few that we'll get to. The diner scene, or the burger joint scene that we mentioned, you know, that scene we get where Linda Hamilton is playing the waitress, and she's just having, you know, a, a terrible day, really busy job, really busy work day. She, um, I think she's carrying plates of food, and like Zach said, somebody's like, we're ready for more coffee. She's serving the table, and the table doesn't know what they ordered or wh- what's going on. Someone in the background, while she's serving the table food, says something like, we're ready to order, miss, and the kid puts the ice cream or whatever into her shirt. I, I can't believe this has ever never come up before, Zach, but I think our restaurant needs a customer code of conduct. <laughs> like, we, you know, most places just have the no shirt, no shoes, no service, I think there should be some type of contract or wait, not a la- uh, waiver, but you know, like a terms of terms of service agreement type of thing that these people have to sign because I want it to be well within the rights of our waiters and waitresses who, yes, if you don't remember, are dressed up in l- large costumes created by the too many cooks person to resemble Robin Sack and other people. I think I want them to have the right to like assault customers because if you're (laughs) serving if you're serving food at one table and another table is like screaming at you we're ready to order you should be able to whip a plate at that person's face like that is not okay you cannot be a dick to the the servers and any of the staff in the cinemonities restaurant you can be a dick to other customers i think fights like you know bar brawls between customers at the restaurant would be great but you cannot treat our employees that way and we need to solidify that in some way. What do you think? I am on board with that. Okay, there needs to be some retribution for, you know, the people who try and who get mad because they're trying to use a coupon from a different restaurant. Why would the hell would we ever take an IHOP coupon? We're not IHOP. You should be able to get like our waiters should be able to chip a tooth or something on those people. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It, it very it annoyed me very very much, you know. And I I've, I've never worked as a server, but I've worked in food retail, you know, delis and stuff like that. And I've always wanted to do that. So, let's let's make our restaurant, you know, uh, a Forbes top 50 places to work because you can beat up the customers when they annoy you. Good, good. <laughs> All how, right.
0: Uh, how are yeah. how are employees going to handle that when the the customers take like a bump of coke and they go back into the restaurant? <laughs> you mean when the
1: customers get like just as aggressive with them as the oh, waiters they're
0: like, getting? That's what I'm afraid of.
1: Now, now this makes me think that we should just, you know, have our, our, uh, our cam- If we don't ha- already have cameras in the Cinemodities restaurant, we should set them up solely so we can videotape these encounters and sell them in the gift shop,
0: like the so, Cinemodities
1: restaurant fights
0: or showdown or something. So it's, like it's, so it's kind of like when you go on the roller coaster and take a picture of you, like right before you like, go on the drop.
1: That's what we sell. Yes, you get at the when you leave the restaurant, you can buy like a little DVD or a disc containing videotape of when you f- tried to fight one of the waiters. <laughs> I love it. Ah, uh, boy. Oh, nice, okay. The so, lawyers don't approve of any of this. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to check with the, uh, the uh, cinemati's lawyers and we'll see how it goes. Um, we'll have to clear it with legal. Exactly. Uh, that's for marketing.
0: <laughs> no. RC Glow. How are you gonna make RC Glow?
1: That's for
2: finance to figure out. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Look at the sheet. It's not.
1: It's not. It's not. That's marketing. No, you're marketing. I am. RC Glow. In store soon. So the other snack, uh, two other snacks I had to mention. Uh, one is actually very near and dear to Zach. I think it might be a snack already in the restaurant, but if it's not, we have to get it in here. Did you notice, Zach, that in very early on in the movie, um, Linda Hamilton is working at the restaurant And her friend, Ginger, comes to her and says, oh, my God, oh, my God, you have to see this. Like, the news is about you. And it's the scene where she uh, takes her to the the employee lounge, and there's a TV, and it's like Sarah Louise Connor was killed, shot like a bajillion times, that type of thing. There is a very quick shot as it's panning from, like, the employees over to the TV. We get to see an old can of tab. (laughs) So I think one of our beverages should be tab from the eighties, like not the new tab. We need the vintage cans of tab at our restaurant.
0: I I didn't pick up on it this time though, but I've certainly noticed that in the past.
1: Okay. Okay. So, so like I said, we might've, I'm sure we've discussed tab. I don't know if they get edited out of the episodes, whenever tab comes up, but like I said, Zach and I tab is very near and dear to our hearts. Um, not because we enjoy it. I would say (laughs) just because somebody gives it to us. Um, so yeah, we have to get tab in here. It's only it's only suitable or uh, fitting, right?
0: I still don't know where that tab is that your grandfather gave me.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't. It's somewhere, but I don't know where it is, and that's really alarming. <laughs> with a soda, that's been, it, that's really scary. I think you have a can of soda somewhere in the house and you don't know where it is, and it's not like in a place with like other like beverages.
1: <laughs> that's the only suitable storage for tab. You just let it do its own thing, right? <laughs> it went into hiding oh Uh, that's one yeah one day you know zach is constantly sending me pictures of um the giant rice krispies treat with a hole in the packaging one day you know maybe 20 40 years from now zach's gonna send me a picture of an old can of tab and he's gonna be like this is this is a should be considered like a biological weapon now it's so (laughs) old or something like
0: that i'll start a collection the cinema it'll be like um Jodorowski's Dune and the Chauncey puppet in the Simmadi's restaurant. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna have the Rice Krispies treat and we're going to have the can of tab.
1: We're, oh my god, I can I just can imagine like the little plaque or the label like you know on the case or near it. So when people see it, it's like, you know, the Dune from Jodorowsky's Dune, the puppet from Chauncey's puppet from Wonder Shows and and then just a can of tab from 1984.
0: <laughs> oh it's a, a little question mark after 1984.
1: Yes. Yeah. I put the C. the circa type of thing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. The last snack I had um, comes directly from the movie. We get a we get a great scene where what Ginger and her boyfriend, they're having sex in the apartment. And then she goes to make a sandwich and she like does it all out. There's a sandwich made. There's like celery with peanut butter. There's a drink. It's like a really, oh, really good sized sandwich. But I love the fact that the whole time she's making it, she's playing her, her cassette player, her Walkman type of thing, so loud in her headphones that she can't hear her boyfriend getting murdered in <laughs> the other room. So I, I, I like the idea of that. You order this sandwich, but when it's given to you, like when the sandwich is placed on the table, you are also, you also have headphones put over your ears. <laughs> And the music is turned up way too loud. And you have to eat it while you're listening to that music. And so I, I love this idea because I'm thinking, you know, let's say four people. Maybe it's like uh, like a people, all, uh, uh, they get a uh, lunch break at work. And they four of them decide to, you know, go to the Cinemodities restaurant. Because who doesn't want to do that on their <laughs> lunch break? There's a chance you won't have to go back to work because you're not going to survive it. But I love the fact that you have like a group of people. They're having a good time. One of them orders a sandwich. And the restaurant is like... You are literally no longer part of your group while you eat this sandwich. You cannot hear what other people are saying. If you respond, you're going to scream because the music is so loud. It's almost like we're, we're making – we're giving them this weird isolation chamber as they eat their food. So what do you think? <laughs> will it be like the same like
0: headphones that she uses or it will be something like really like just like completely noise canceling?
1: Oh, no, it'll be the same headphones and, like, cranked up to the max. Like, terrible audio quality, (laughs) cranked up to the max. (laughs) Will it still be a cassette player or will it be something more, like, current? I hope we can get a cassette player. I would love to, you know, also, you know, while they have to listen to this music incredibly loud, uh, loudly, it should be music they are not familiar with. Like, I'm thinking if we get a cassette player, we could get, you know, like— the, the Twin Peaks season one soundtrack. We could get like, you know, weird audio books and things that nobody's ever heard of and be like, <laughs> you gotta you gotta deal with this for, you know, however long it takes you to eat this sandwich from start to finish, you good we're gonna be cranking this volume.
0: <laughs> oh dear.
1: I love it. Disenfranchising <laughs> the customers. That's, that's what we do best. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well what did you have, Mr. Snack Master? Usually more grounded uh, in the the more uh, execution of the things. Let's hear it.
0: All right. Uh, I have an overall idea for the entire series, and I'll delve into it each week. Okay. For the first food item, I'm taking this one from... It's funny, there's a lot of food eating in this movie.
1: Yeah.
0: Surprisingly. And I love it when, after, like, Sarah's date cancels on her, she goes out by herself so Ginger and the boyfriend can have sex in the apartment. And I think it's fascinating that she goes to... A like little like I don't even know. It looks like like a restaurant. Like, like it's weird. It looks like like a bar, but it's, I guess it's a pizzeria because we see her eating a whole pizza by herself. <laughs> yep, yep. And I find that absolutely fascinating for a young woman because apparently she's supposed to be only from what I read, she's eighteen in this. Oh wow, okay. I find the idea of an eighteen-year-old woman going out by herself and eating a whole pizza at a bar alone. <laughs> so I'm going to have an item on the menu called the Pizza for One.
1: And oh. All it's going to
0: say, it's going to say Pizza for One and it's going to have a little like and when you order it, the toppings come out like a like a sad, like a sad face.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. It's like when you put a like, uh, you make, like, chocolate chip pancakes, the chocolate chips make a, a smiley face. This is going to have whatever toppings you get, you know, the pepperoni of the face. eyes and, and the peppers or whatever, and the onions are connected to frown. I love it.
0: <laughs> yes, because if you're – I find that fascinating the idea of a young woman going out by herself and ordering a pizza. Like, not even like like she brings it home or something. It's, it's going to a restaurant sitting down. Like, and considering, like, a pizza takes, like, a half an hour to cook.
1: Yeah. It's like you're going to be sitting there by yourself for a while. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. I like it. So, so would we place the restriction on this item in the restaurant that you can only order it if you're a party of one? Oh, definitely. Okay, good, good, good. Can't be splitting that. You got to get a different pizza option. And you have
0: to wait half an hour. We do not prepare any of these ahead of time. We are, we (laughs) are like kneading the dough as you order it.
1: Nice. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we're going to start the whole thing completely from scratch. Okay.
0: And then the overall idea I had. For, well, there's a couple other things too. Like I found the sandwich, like the postcoitus sandwich. I found that hilarious.
1: Yeah, that's because that's a that's a huge sandwich. It is.
0: <laughs> it is. And I feel like there's something we could definitely do. Um, like when it comes maybe to the uh, the code of conduct for the customers. Okay Is that like Maybe we call it, Don't make me bust you up man That's what we call it. Like the guy like The boyfriend <laughs> says to Arnold Don't make me bust you up man Yeah and okay And uh, And maybe we have Almost like a Chip and Dale's night Where we have like a. I love his like Oh god what is it like His little like Bikini brief Like striped underwear
1: Yeah
0: <laughs> Like maybe we have Like a chip Maybe we have like A ladies night Like a Chip and Dale's night
1: Okay. Okay. Maybe
0: they expand the, the the core demographic for cinemasati's beyond just like sadists and perverts. <laughs> and um, but no, I like that. Maybe we call it the code
1: of conduct thing. Don't make me bust you up, man. Oh, okay, okay. I get behind that for sure. Don't but don't he, make us bust you up or something like that. Something like that. Something like that. But Should that be the, the old, slogan. Like on, you know, when you some restaurants like when you enter, <laughs> there'll be that sign that says like, "Welcome, thank you for choosing," whatever. And when you're on the way back, like the other side will say like, "Thanks, come again." It's like just when it like you enter the restaurant, and it's like, don't make us bust you up.
0: <laughs> Maybe Well, you figure out how exactly and be like,
1: apply. Customers are going to be like, "Is that like the food's so good? I'm going to eat so much, and it's going to like bust my gut open." It's like, no, if you're dick to us. We're going to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Look, we're not we're not pulling any punches here. You better be calm in this restaurant going experience.
0: Yeah, it's good. I like that.
1: <laughs> nice. All right. All right the
0: overall idea. This is my last idea. And it's actually the one I'm going to use. And it's it's going to be interchangeable depending on each of the movies. Okay. We are going to have Skynet Laser Tag. I don't know if I've oh. used that. Have I used that before? Have I used Laser Tag before? I, in don't, I don't believe so. Alright. If I have, I don't care. I'm doing it again. This will be late like adult laser tag. We're going to have Skynet laser tag, but it's, it's going to be regular laser tag. But we're going to have it in the setting of 2029, 20, where we have like the skulls, and there'll be different variants. Like some weeks, we'll sit there have it like one group will be like Terminators, other people will be just like ter- like uh, regular people, mm-hmm. and there'll be ones where like you have to like ha- like all the people have to fight like the giant like tanks and stuff. It's great. Yeah, that's a neat idea
1: for sure. You get the soundtrack blaring, it'll be great. I could totally get behind that. Absolutely. Yeah, that... Yeah, yeah, and then... Oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot we could do with that. That's a great idea. And I'm so glad that we're not short on space, that we could set up an entire laser tag environment within the restaurant
0: oh and it's also big enough too because we're we're gonna have like like, we have to scale it down a little bit but we'll have like doom buggies with turrets on them oh it's gonna be great it'll be great car
1: cars with no windshields you can just jump right in through the yeah man okay okay that's a great idea um the only thing i'm thinking now is like we need I don't want people coming to the restaurant just for the laser tag. Like, there needs to be a way that we get them to buy food as well. That's
0: <laughs> all right. Now, what we do is like, like if they want food, they have to go into like we we'll have a, it's another partition of the restaurant on top of Sin Emonese. Okay. If you if you go in for laser tag and you're hungry, you have to go into like the trenches, and that's where only where we serve like rat
1: meat and like <laughs> like feral animals. Oh, okay. I dig that. I dig that. hard I and, think and, we have something on the menu of like. Maybe not recently, maybe uh, there's some food items we have that are like, you know, they're still edible, but they are that more disgusting type of stuff like well, the rat meat, things like that. So we're every, working there. Everything from the trench element of the
0: restaurant is sourced directly from the dumpster.
1: Perfect.
0: <laughs> like everything that's served in the trench component is something that somebody at the restaurant, one of the bus boys had to dig out of the dumpster. Oh God! So like it's a rat, it's a possum, it's a
1: skunk. Oh. The crusty jizzle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it, Zach. We got we got a lot to play with here. That dumpster is a uh, is uh, almost like the the mini Cinemoddy's restaurant. <laughs> it's
0: a microcosm of everything the restaurant holds.
1: Perfect. Oh, dear.
0: Um. All right. With that being said, Cinemoddy and or late night movie.
1: All right. I think I have one. I am set with. One, I'm on the fence. The one I'm set with is late night. I want to go with no to late Uh-oh. night movie. I'm going to say no because it harkens back to, you know, I, I think this is something that it's not going to elicit the response that I want from people. You know, I feel like I can, Zach and I can talk about this movie like we have. We've we said all these, you know, picking up all these details and and the love of some of the restraint and simplicity, however it came about. I, I feel like, you know, showing this to someone, it would only really be kind of beneficial if they've never seen it before. But that's not really why I'd want to show this to anybody. You know, it's more of like, I would have to challenge their notions. And I don't think there's a lot, like, in the late night setting that I'd be able to gain from it. I also think because my copy has such poorly mixed audio <laughs> that it would it would be terrible for late night movie because it's something like we'd have to crank it up to hear people talk and then we'd fall asleep and then, you know, an action scene would happen and our ears would be bleeding. But yeah, I, I don't think this fits late night for me at all. I don't think it, it gives me the, the the would elicit the response I want, so I'm going to say no. I'm on the fence about Cinemodity, though, Zach, and this is something where I think maybe you can help me out with. Kind of immediately, I wanted to say no because of the legacy and the franchise that it's created and everything. Like the the and everybody knows about it to some extent, but after actually watching the film and and having this discussion, it reaffirms that. I'm kind of leaning towards yes because of how refreshing it is to see a time travel movie not get bogged down in these details, to see something that has all these elements blended together so well. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure on Cinemodity. What were you thinking for our, our two questions?
0: Uh, Definite yes to Cinematity because I think a lot of the Terminator legacy stems from the, res- the reception to Terminator 2.
1: That's a I good think, point. Yeah.
0: I don't think you get this sort of legacy out of... Just the first film by itself. I think first, in a world which is yeah. Terminator, you don't get Terminator Genesis.
1: The first movie is is really like the black sheep of the family.
0: <laughs> yeah, really enough. The, the first movie is kind of like its own thing. The rest yeah. of kind of follow the template of the second film. Okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I think for all the aforementioned reasons, the fact that it blends so many genres. And it's a cinemati almost like in the same way that Avengers Endgame is a cinemati. And that this film has like is the foundation for so many careers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like this weird sort of like foundation also for like certain like genres. Like think about like what would the time travel sci-fi movie be without Terminator? Yeah. Like without Terminator, do we get Back to the Future? Like Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like when did Back to the Future get written? I don't – you know, that's probably more like H.G. Wells-esque in the sense of like time travel. But just curious though, like Jimmy C. apparently was like working on this like in the early 80s. It's not hard to believe that someone like Spielberg or Robert Zemeckis – and people of their group wouldn't have heard about something like this. The idea of like there's a time yeah. travel movie out there. Um, I don't know. I think, I don't think the time travel movie genre is like, yes, Back to the Future definitely is a cornerstone of that, but I think another one is Terminator. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you have like certain, I don't think you do get something like Avengers Endgame without Terminator. Yeah. And like yeah, I already said, there is a perfect blending of so many genres in this too. And considering that like everything in this movie is practically perfect um it kind of shocking considering how small of a budget it has
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: it's a cinematic in spite of how perfect it is
1: okay okay right on i get behind that yeah and i think that's something that you know i i need i will gain more understanding of specifically like we said when i rewatch terminator 2 terminator 3 get more into the action that it goes for um yeah we'll have to see so I, I think I think that moves me over to the yes for this one, because it was so refreshing and so different from what we've come to know and understand of the Terminator movies. So right on. OK.
0: As for late night movie, um, Rob posed a very interesting question. That I don't think we've ever considered on cinema on when it comes to late night movies is that if we're showing something to someone as a late night movie, is it a rewatch by that individual mm-hmm. by by the mm-hmm. prey is the person that's being ensnared in the yes. clutches. And that's an interesting concept. We've never talked about that. Because every time I've thought of a late night movie, I'm seeing is it, it mostly is showing someone who's never seen it before.
1: Yeah, I, I would think, say I fall into that same category. You know, when we discuss stuff like uh, Freaked and things that nobody knows about, it's just uh, assumed from the beginning that it's not going to be a rewatch for them.
0: Yeah, and I think the idea of a late night movie is putting on a repeat kind of defeats the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. Like if you go around to someone and be like, yo, have you ever seen Freaked? And they're like, yeah, I love that movie. It's like, well, there goes that as a late-night movie. It's the idea that a late-night movie should be a novel experience experience yeah. for at least one member.
1: Exactly.
0: If both parties have seen said potential cinemati, I think it – not that it disqualifies it from being a late-night movie. I think it kind of just defeats it being shown in that moment. Like the sure. whole point of the late-night movie is to show someone something new. Exactly. Show them something they've not seen before. In any form, that takes – So, I think this is a late night movie because I think if someone's no one's ever seen these movies Mm -hmm. or has never seen this specific one, I think this could work. I think it's, I don't think, I can't imagine watching this movie at daytime. Um, I think a lot, I think a lot of the uh, the the filmmaking, the craft of it, just again, how it's lit is lost in the process. Yeah, sure. I think yeah, I think it's a late night movie, especially considering how weird it is, like, and how just kind of like, as we've said numerous times now, how much it diverts from the rest of the series. Yeah, um, yeah, I think this is definitely considering that we've already kind of agreed that it's a thriller horror. Uh, a, a, like uh, sci-fi film, yeah, I think uh, wholeheartedly this could be a late-night movie. Okay, right on. Good point. But not yeah. as a rewatch. Not as like if somebody's yes. like, oh, like like if, if you and your friend or your your clutches like, oh, I love the Terminator series. I'd be like, no, nope, no. Nope. But I think yeah. that applies for any rewatch. I think yeah, late-night movies is not a forum for both parties to be rewatching something.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you run into that thing of just being like, you know. um Oh I love we love it we're watching it and it eventually it's not like you know you're watching it that intently you're just kind of reveling in the the not nostalgia but you know that kind of you you harken back to why you like it type of thing. Well
0: I'll, I'll add one kind of like a qualifier to that though. Rewatches are allowed but only if it's something that like neither party remembers that fondly. Like if oh, it's like sure. kind of, like we kind of like discussed off mic with like the Ted Bundy movie. Like if Rob and I were like oh let's watch Ted Bundy's a late night movie right now Yes we've both seen that though mm-hmm. We haven't watched it though in like Almost 10 years yeah. The same would apply for like after last season Have we yep. both seen it Yes but it's something that's so like Strange we really have no like Firm grasp of it Definitely. That That's the exception I'll make If both parties if they've both seen it Yet they both have like hardly Any memory of it
1: okay. And it's strange yeah, get And that. it's strange Definitely, definitely. I would still yeah. say,
0: like, ten years from now, I would not recommend Avengers Endgame as a late night movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's like that's like one of those movies. If like people, if I pose a late night movie and people really want to watch a, a superhero movie, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna put it on, and I'm gonna leave the room. Like, you're wasting this time.
0: <laughs> I have an idea. I, I'm gonna introduce a new concept to the Cinematheque restaurant. Oh, it's the idea of a retroactive menu item. Ooh, okay, okay. All right, I'd like to add one for Avengers: Endgame. Okay, <laughs> you ha- we have a test. Like it's kind of like in the movie, and it's been done before in other movies. But this is the most like obvious example. At the in the movie Fanboys, it's about a bunch of Star Wars nerds. Doesn't matter the plot of the movie. One of the per- people like works at like I don't know if it's like an antique shop or like a collectible store, and they have a Star Trek phaser in the in like the glass cabinet,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it's used there as a way to weed out Trekkies from Star Wars fans. Because if somebody ever asks to look at, it, they're told to get out. Okay, and I'd like to have on the Cinematis menu an item called it says Avengers Endgame. And if somebody ever orders it, what it is, is that we've taken a, we've taken like 10 copies of the Blu-ray disc and shred them into like fiberglass and
1: you have to <laughs> eat it. Okay. I and, like it.
0: and they're like, I don't want to eat that. That's going to tear up my inner. I'll be like, I have internal bleeding for months. They're like, no, if you're
1: going to come here and order, if you want crap, we're going to give you crap. I, I love it. Perfect. That's part if, of the that's part of the terms of service. If you came here looking for crap, you're gonna get it.
0: <laughs> crap, exactly. And it's kind of like too that if we do ever run out of copies, because I imagine it probably be a popular item. Eventually, we just give them fiberglass, and we're like, here, we ran out of copies of the movie. Here you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. We can repurpose some of the other um, intestinal dicing ingredients that we have, or menu items that we have. Right. <laughs>
0: you know, what I'd love to do. I'd love to start an internet rumor. Eventually turned out to be true remember the thing about like there being like a landfill like a new mexico film with like et atari games (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i would love to start a rumor like a couple years from now that there were so many copies of avengers endgame unsold that disney had to like sell them to like the the fiberglass people to like shred down into like into like things to put in the fiberglass
1: yeah, they and were like, how do we recycle these to get the as much back from them? <laughs> yeah,
0: and I love to, like, do, like, a great, like, fake, like, internet hoax video where, like, I, I just went to, like, Home Depot and bought, like, a pallet of fiberglass, and as I was opening <laughs> it to install it, like, in my basement— a piece of like piece like a really big piece fell out and you look and it's just like it's just like the e from end game yeah <laughs> i'd love to do that as like an internet hoax like to try to convince people that movie did not sell as many copies
1: yeah that's i i like that yeah it's like um i've been to like some bars and restaurants where they'll have like um like mosaic tables built out of like you know a bunch of different shards of glass or different bottle caps like, I'd love to see one, and there's just, like, exactly what you said, like, a little corner of the disc for Endgame somewhere on there as well. <laughs> like, yeah. they're just using them in every every construction project they can get them into.
0: The coasters at the San Amati's restaurant are Avengers
1: uh, Endgame discs. Yes. Perfect. Oh, right on.
0: All right, Rob, are we ready to wrap this bad boy up?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we've already said what we're going to discuss next week. Not surprisingly, we're going terminator movies in um numerical order i don't think they're in chron like they're in chronological order themselves but i'll have to figure that out as i run through the ones i haven't seen um but yeah so so how does it feel zach does it feel like we're back are you back we in business again god thank god (laughs) i couldn't i couldn't take
0: it i couldn't take it folks i always thought the uh oh god what episode was it i think it was like what the frankenthumb and oh, the, bat, yeah, thumb. one of the thumb movies yeah.
1: episodes. Yeah,
0: I always thought one of those episodes was going to be the downfall of the cinema. These podcasts based on the downloads. Little did I know the downloads for this the sketch comedy Fort month
1: because they did get downloaded, but they were all by Rob.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, based on the numbers, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: <laughs> oh yes, well yeah, I'm excited. We'll keep it going. Um, get back into the swing of things. I think we. Uh, it's just like riding a bike now. And I think it's already been said, you know, let's take this uh, harmonic melodic theme we got for Terminator and play that in reverse, right?
0: Oh yeah, son.
1: Ba-bump, bump, bump, bum. Ba-bump, bump, bump, ba technical terminology he's a loon.